What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 32 of Beyond the Smokestacks. I'm joined by my co-host, Christian. What's up, Christian? This guy. That's about it. Uh, it's been a very uneventful week here in the Smith household. <laughs> and we are joined by our other co-host, Dobby. What's good? Same, same old, same old, I guess. Uh, cushing out still. I don't know. Uh, could, could go anywhere today. All right. Ho- hopefully our special guest brings energy because my two co-hosts are dragging ass right now. We are joined by none other than... Blue City Radio host, Michael Anderer. What is up? I don't know if I can bring more energy than that, but uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on. I, I think it's the uh, the second midweek game that uh, we've have to, had to suffer through. Uh, better result than the first midweek game. But uh, I think that's where uh, some of the energy is getting sucked up. We had, I don't think people are still over the, uh, the result from Saturday. Uh, yesterday... You know, it kind of put us in a in a better mindset. Uh, this has been the most brutal uh, NYCFC road stand that I can remember, and uh, it's going to take some time. Ten days of uh, of wondering, should we be happy about a draw? Is uh, sucks. Yeah. So, Mike, um, we want the listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Um, I'm, I'm sure they listen to to your, your podcast. You guys are one of the more prominent podcasts in the NYCFC pod Illuminati. Um, but we want to get to know you better. So, rapid-fire questions. Favorite current NYCFC player? James Sands. Uh, story real quick. I know it's rapid-fire, but I'll just tell you, I had, the, I had the pleasure of seeing Sands' first performance I was down in uh, Ecuador and Guayaquil when they played up against Emelec. He wasn't even a signed player. I think he was 16 at the time. Uh, but it was uh, it was great to be there from that beginning, early stage of his uh, professional career. And uh, I, I tried to get an interview with him, but the, the team basically said, no, he's, he's not a signed player, so he's off limits. But if you want to talk to anyone else, you can talk to anyone else. And uh was a very unique experience. Uh, one of the first, or one of the few times I've traveled international to see this uh, this club play. So, uh, Anz is a guy who holds a, a spot near and dear to my heart. Absolutely, and he has been um, he has been rocking the armband for the past month or so um, after his return from his from his loan spell with with Rangers, um, and uh, he's been putting in some up and down performances but more so because of the uh the position that the manager is asking him to play in those matches um, do we know what position that is because it's i guess let's start with the with the an analysis real early what is up with changing the shape so drastically from in possession to defense it's, you know you talk about how this game should be simple for the players especially when they're struggling you go back and you're saying wait where's look at the red bull game and all the different positions Sands played in that game, and you're like, "Come on, this is that might be one of the reasons why we can't get the ball from the midfield to the offense." Yeah, because pull, pulling him out of the midfield where he's the linchpin, um, pulling him into like almost the back line essentially because he's dropping so deep. But that was, I think, that was more a byproduct of us trying to having to handle the high the, the energy drink high press. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely, I mean, it's. Uh, I, it probably weighing on a player as young as James Sands, who's still in the early stages of his career, having to, on a game by game basis, like not really knowing 
where what his expectations are for where he's going to be receiving the ball and where he's like in terms of his heat map where he's going to end up on the pitch and in, i mean i think we all saw it in the red bull game that he was definitely deeper than i think he'd rather be and we'd and also we'd rather him be we, we prefer him to be healthily in the midfield um and he's, he was he was pretty high up last night as well yeah on a few occasions he was pretty high up all and, right and that's one of those things oh sorry no no no, 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 you... no you go you go the, uh, well, that's what Taylor Twelman said on the broadcast on Saturday. Uh, this game is going to be won and lost in the midfield, and then we take our strongest midfield player against Red Bull and have him drop back. Not only does it drop him back and make him uh, play more of a defensive position, but then what does it do to Keaton Parks? What does it do to everyone else in that in that line? So when you, it's like a a domino effect. You pull one down, and everything has to you know slide down another level. So. Yeah, and then in, and then in, and then in turn it pulls Pete Keaton Parks back, and then in turn it pulls Ledesma back, and then it pulls so it pulls everyone just back. So now the now instead of being hyped the pitch, we're all just there's a cascade of events that just make us all pull back in, into more into the defensive part of the field. It's just the the whole system the whole system collapses. There's no like coherence or anything. It's just like it doesn't work at that point. Yeah. All right, so um, you you can repeat answers, but you don't have to. Um, favorite all time NYCFC player? Uh, I I'm gonna say Jack Harrison. Um, again, sentimental decision, sentimental choice for this one. Uh, I was in Baltimore when Harrison was drafted. It was uh, again one of the few drafts I was able to attend in person. Um, so I got to to meet Jack. Met to, got to meet uh, his mom, Deb. That was uh, Vieira's first year, so I got to meet uh, Vieira when he was uh, first introduced. They had um, the team had done a great job. They brought um, a fan that had gone to the draft. Uh, they basically had a bar, the second floor of a bar rented out, and they brought the uh, you know they brought uh, Jack and Deb and uh, and Vieira to the bar, and it was you know an off the record you know just meet and greet photo op. So uh, Harrison's a guy who who definitely. Uh, not only from his his success post NYCFC, but also just from what he did and, and the connection I was able to uh, make with him and uh, his mom Deb. I, I, I one of my favorite stories is um, had caught, you know she had to travel back and forth because of her her visa. And there was one time uh, it was NYCFC was playing in Kansas City, um, and she was coming back from uh, from England to uh, to the United States. I picked her up at um, Jack's apartment. And took her. We we went to a, a bar together and just watched the game uh, because she did, had no other place to watch the game. And I was like, you know what? I'll drive from New England up to. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll drive from Long Island up to uh, where, Jack, where Jack lived in uh, Westchester County. We'll find a bar. We'll watch the game, and then uh, you know, at least you can you can you know see, you know see you know see the game. It was NYCFC's worst uh, performance? Uh, I think that was like the over the summer, but it was I think it was their second time away in Kansas City. It was a horrible game. Uh, but it was still that's uh definitely something that uh it's the memories and the stories that uh help make the you know grow these connections with these players and that's why you hold them near and dear i remember that game that was uh 2016 that was like 3-1 l right that was like it was like pretty bad yeah i was when lampard scored like a normal normal goal at, at the time where he was yeah. just scoring goals like off his knee uh, and wherever yeah something without his uh his forearm <laughs> yeah <laughs> jack harrison actually lived in the same place where i lived uh Fun fact: White Plains in Westchester County. So, uh, I I I have an ex girlfriend in White Plains. <laughs> or at least she wasn't. She I, was in White Plains until she got married. 
I love I love when Encyclopedia Davi comes out and, he, and you can just tell him like the date and time or what date and you know, year of, of a game and so he knows funny. like everyone who scores what score it was what the attendance was what the weather was he knows it's like Rain Man like it's ridiculous you, you know you know you know you know it's so funny to attack that. there's like there's like a town like over called Harrison from White Plains <laughs> uh, there's also a rival team that plays in a city called Harrison yeah so. but it's a yeah but it's on the stinky side of the river yeah, I mean it's way closer, was, way closer to Newark. <laughs> It was back when the uh, the training center was in purchase. Yeah. SUNY yeah. Purchase. Uh-huh. Yeah. You guys, uh, and that was fun. I mean, I got to tell you, that training facility, Joe, I know you were in um, the training facility the, uh, earlier in the week. Yeah. Uh, purchase was great because you're on a college campus. They literally couldn't keep the players away from fans because the, the, fan, the pl- players had to jump in. They had Nissan Leaf uh, cars, and they had these Nissan um, minivans. And to drive from the training pitch, like uh, maybe maybe an eighth of a mile down the block to where the uh, the, uh, the you know the training room was. It was it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so my, my favorite thing about about Jack Harrison um, is that I mean post career with NYCFC is that it's like watching him play in the Prem and in a championship. Um, it's like it's like our prodigal our, our prodigal son. Like we get, we're getting to see him grow. Like he started with NYCFC. He was he had like no beard and like short hair, and then all of a sudden, like a couple years later, he has like a man bun. He looks like a grown man. Like it's like you're almost watching him grow through the years. And he's still he's not he's he's still he's not now like just now getting into like his prime years. Um, but unfortunately, leads are not are not doing well and probably going down. So maybe it's the he, same thing with Tati now. Like Tati just put up four in Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we have our our, our sons who are who are off in, in Europe doing big things and and, and making uh, making the, the the club and the the, the uh, mothership of CFG look good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, Jack. I, I don't think Jack's gotten enough love in this podcast. I don't, I don't think anybody has said Jack Harrison yet. I mean, maybe you can either of you guys remember anybody saying Jack? I think because it's been a while. It's yeah. been a while since he played for us so yeah it's kind of like it's the recency bias he, he hasn't been around yeah. since the second what season have, what so. have you done for me lately yeah and he wasn't here he wasn't here when we won the championship so yeah. that's you he was he was here when we were just getting our feet wet with the playoffs to be honest playoffs we were, we, were, <laughs> we were just becoming uh we were just becoming competitive when he like stepped in i mean we had some good seasons with him in there but yeah. uh um, yeah, Playoff wise, we were absolutely. If horrible. I if I close yeah. my eyes, I, I can replay the Red Bull goal by Harrison in my head. I, I, beautiful thing. I, I, <laughs> I always call those years the Eastern Conference semifinal years because that's just that that's as far as we would go. That was you know? that was that's our it. that was our championship. <laughs> so yeah. what do you what do you call twenty twenty then? Uh, I I twenty twenty is honestly a blur. Like, like I remember the early parts of it quite vividly. I was still working for Hudson River Blue at the time. I was still appearing on Blue City Radio with Andrew every now every now and then for a cup of tea here and there. Um, but uh, 2020, I remember. So I have a funny story about 2020. I'm not going to get into too much detail because I know we still got one more question to ask Andrew before we get into the nitty gritty. But um, thanks, Blue. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so, <laughs> there's another one on top of that. I, yeah, no. I remember uh, on March 11th, I was actually at the Concacaf Champions League game against Tigres. Uh, I uh, it was. Uh, it was the second game I had attended because I attended their home leg before against I think it was AD San Carlos who were just mm-hmm. fucking putrid. Yeah, uh, they were Carlos. they were they were so bad uh, that team. Uh, but uh, like, and I remember being at the game. Hat trick against uh, San Carlos. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Abair scored a hat trick against AD San Carlos in the away it was, leg. It was fun. He was the first MLS player to score a hat trick 
uh, in the Champions League. And it's the only time that he ever looked good post Dome. That's like literally the only game where he ever like really excelled. But I remember like like I was I was at that that game against Tigres, and I remember in like the 85th minute, like or thereabouts, we all got the alert on our phones that uh, NBA season had been suspended due to Rudy Gobert catching COVID nineteen, and NBA had suspended their season, and we're still playing a fucking game like right in front of us. And is that in Harrison? And, uh, I, that was in Harrison. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was at that game too. That was great. That was a good day. Yeah. That was the world shut down. Yeah, and and I remember um, looking over because I didn't even check it on my phone. Michael Batista, who had, who who was a Red Bull fan, he did some work for yeah. I think once Metro. Um, uh, we we see him on Twitter every now and then. Yeah. Uh, he's a good dude, but he he roots for the he roots for a pretty scumbag fucking team. But um, uh, uh, he like showed me that, and then I was just like, and I kind of just. I gave him one of these, and I was like, and I was like, enjoy these last six minutes because, or however much time you have left, because this is done. If NBA is suspending their season, you already know all the leagues are going to follow suit because nobody wants to be the asshole. Uh, and uh, and yeah, I, unfortunately, I did not enjoy the last six minutes because we conceded a stoppage time goal in that game, despite the fact that we created tons of chances. And uh, the post game, like before the press conferences started, nobody was talking about the game at all. That elevator was all about the NBA and whether or not the NHL was next. And don't forget the guy who scored the goal for a Tigress had bit Sean Johnson in the <laughs> yeah earlier yeah. in the game. Uh, so in a game where they said, "Please do not make any contact with your face, with your hands, and everything like that," and and he like put his hand against Sean's face like that. So yeah, he he Sean took a little nibble, not a Mike Tyson sized bite, but like you know just like you know just. Like how my girlfriend eats fucking American food because she's Peruvian. She's like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I left. I left the stadium that day. I left the stadium that day miserable because that that stoppage time goal you were referring to. Maxi Morales had a free kick at about midfield, and everyone everyone was forward. And Maxi chips the ball in, or hits the ball in, and it's short. And they counterattack off of it and score because we had nobody back. Yeah, he was trying to L- serve literally it. Literally last kick of the game as well. Yeah. Last kick of the game. Yeah, that game sucked. Yeah. That and um, one of the NYCFC comms people. Actually caught COVID. Uh, yeah, Nicole. Yeah. Nicole did. Yeah, uh, and I remember I was sitting right next to her. <laughs> like, but, but I was sitting like I was sitting like not ne- not next to her because I was walking around. Red Bull Arena was cool at the time because uh you know Red Bull Arena we weren't allowed to move around in Yankee Stadium at the time. I I think they've changed it since. I think the press have a little bit more leeway now. I remember seeing Allen in the supporter section last year. He's like, oh yeah, they let us walk around now. But we were actually able to walk around in Red Bull Arena, so that's what I did. But I remember sitting. I was like four tears away from her and then like 10 days later i found out she like tested positive for covid i'm just like you know maybe i should get tested but i don't think i'm going to i'm just gonna they stay here brought uh ian joy and joe tollison down to the uh to the supporter section for a little bit during that game too because they weren't on the broadcast it was a uh, the Concacaf feed broadcast yeah uh yeah that was uh i i remember seeing Tolleson. we missed those guys i i saw tollison in the elevator that night and he uh he was pretty disappointed I was like, "How's it going, Joe?" And he's like, "Hey, gotcha. <laughs> like, yeah." Like he had, like, like, like he, he just like I don't think he was expecting to say anything, so he hadn't cleared his throat. He's like, "Hey, Christian," you know, like, like it's just like it, Joe and I, I miss Joe and Ian a lot. I saw Ian there too. So, but uh, yeah, no, it's a very difficult time. But uh, we've got one more question for him. Yeah, I was gonna say our, our rapid fire questions have tr- quickly turned into muzzle. They're lo- never rapid fire. Muzzle anyway, so. muzzle loaded questions from the Why do we even call them rapid? Why do we even call them rapid fire? They're never rapid fire. Why do we even call them that? Let's just stop. 
<laughs> so, Mike, uh, you kind of uh, you, you teased your answer. Uh, what is your favorite all-time NYCFC kit? And I, and I said the Bronx Blue. It's 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 gonna hold a, a, a place close to everyone's heart because it's the it's the kit we were wearing when we won the championship. It's also just a clean, classic kit. It's something that I feel comfortable busting out whenever I, um, you know, whenever I want to just wear something that that's simple. Um, I've heard you guys talk about it. I love the Volt kit. I love the current kit, the uh, the Interboro kit. They are a little bit more like, I guess they're fashion forward. It's it's that's not gonna lie. I'm not as young as you guys are, so. Uh, you know, for me to, to bust out something like that, you know, I'm not in the in the club on Saturday night wearing a club jeans, so it's uh, blue for me. So. I actually worn the Volt kit to the club. Not even lying. I heard the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So now, um, so Mike, I mean, this 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 might be the most interesting thing. I, I can't wait to hear this because I haven't actually heard this before. But we want to give you the floor. We want you to uh, we want you to talk and and describe your NYCFC fandom origin story. How you found this club, how you became a part of media in this club, why you continue to watch this club through four game losing streaks. <laughs> well, I worked for a uh, a local Long Island based uh, soccer magazine called SoccerLongIsland.com, and uh, we were covering high school sports, college sports, and uh, uh, professional sports and um, international soccer. Uh, my normal beat was actually the Red Bull beat. I would go to the, I would go to Red Bull games. I'd take photos. I would, uh, I started just taking photos and then they had no one doing post-game interviews in the locker room. So I started to go into the locker room in the beginning. I was just videotaping what other people were saying, but then I realized I had some questions to ask. Uh, so I started to do that. I was doing write-ups in the, in the, for the website and in the, in the magazine, but ultimately I was really just their photographer. Um, get a an email from my uh editor and he says hey there's an announcement in uh in harlem you want to go and sure enough i go sure I'll, I'll go take a look and it's um it's the announcement day you know so there i am i'm sitting in the uh forget the name of the school it's ps i think 135 i, I i'm sure other people are going to correct me when they hear this but uh there i am i'm i'm in the I'm in the the school i'm in the front row with my camera and there's claudio reyna there's the uh, Manchester City uh, first team. There's uh, Michael Kay. There's Mayor Bloomberg, and uh, that's it. They announced the team. Uh, that was so. That was May. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who I didn't realize at at the time he was a coworker of me of mine at this magazine that he was a Red Bull fan. That's how much we talked about actual sports. We were just working. We didn't talk about uh, the sports that much as as much as we were just covering the teams. Um, and I was like, look. There's no podcast designed to cover this team by December. We should create one. We sat there and we just did our work covering, you know, U.S. soccer, covering uh, Red Bull, covering the Cosmos. And uh, fair enough, November rolls around. And I'm like, I still haven't seen any any hints of any podcast covering uh, NYCFC. So uh, we put together the idea. We, uh, I, I, you know, kind of drew the logo that that um has stuck with the with the podcast since uh, the beginning on a napkin sent it out to a company uh you know outsourced the uh you know the, the uh, creation of the logo uh and then january 1st of 2015 we started our social media campaign uh our first ever countdown it was 
me and my co-host uh, basically counting down the first day to the first day of the first game. We, we went to all these different iconic places in New York City. Actually, not even just New York City. We went we went to uh, Long Island as well. Uh, but we started in Grand Central. I'm sorry, started in Penn Station. We did some at you know Freedom Tower and Empire State Building, Verrazano Bridge. Uh, it did a whole bunch of uh, Queens Museum was actually one of the fun ones because that's where the stadium announcement was. And I was like, oh, here I am back you know, years later at, or nine years later at the Queens Museum where I, I had taken a photo in a, before the game, even before the team even started playing. So uh, that's basically it. That's that's the origin story. I started the podcast. We did our first episode in January of uh, 2015. It um, was a fan event in Models in Times Square. And I went there as a fan. And as I'm there as a fan, I see a bunch of the guys that I know from the Cosmos and Red Bull beat. I'm going like, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, oh, we, you know, the, the team invited us over for, uh, for media availability. And I said, well, I, you know, my, my, my magazine hadn't uh, shared with me the information. I introduced myself to Sam Cook, who's still with the team. Um, and at the time, he had a, actually another guy on top of him, a guy named Mart, uh, Martin. And um, I introduced myself to Martin, and right there on the spot, they gave me an opportunity to interview uh, Mix and Kyrie. That was the first player interviews I did for, uh, for the club at that event. And uh, little by little, we just integrated ourselves uh, as part of being uh, the media part of part of the media fabric of uh, of New York City football uh, club soccer. Yes, I mean you you got yeah, you are. You are day day zero, day one, um, media and and fandom, uh, which is, I mean, uh, coming across some of the people that we've had in this podcast, like some people have kind of trickled in since like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and so on and so forth. But you are you've been there since since the beginning, um, putting out great content with with Blue City Radio with you, Michael Landerer, and Jared DeBart. Um, take our listeners uh walk them <clears throat> walk them through the uh through your experience of uh december 11 2021 oh i was originally on the fence about going and i know that's probably going to shock some people i would talk i was talking to people in philadelphia leaving people before before the game talking about hey i got my you know i looked at airfare i just booked you know i booked airfare because i could always refund it or use it for something else and I left the um, the game, and and people were saying, "Hey, you going to Portland? You going to Portland?" And the reality of it was, is just even my work schedule, given a, a bunch of different factors, was unsure. Um, by Wednesday, I was ninety percent sure I was going. I think Thursday morning, I ended up buying my ticket. It already um, applied for a media credential because that's got to be something that you do months in advance. Um, so I was approved for the media credential because you basically applied to the, for the, for the media, uh, specific, you, the playoffs start, you're like, yeah, I want to cover, uh, every event up to MLS cup. They say, are you there in support of a specific team? And you say yes. And if your team gets eliminated, then your credential just, you know, your application gets pulled. Now, again, I could still go. I went to the 2018, uh, final in Atlanta because I, I just said, hey, I'm still interested in attending. If there's room, I was able to attend. I, did, I wasn't worried about the ticket. I guess that's the first thing that made it very easy for me. 
I know that that was a big concern for a lot of people. It's like the first wave of tickets sold out so quick, and then the next wave, and then were people just buying random tickets uh, in the stadium. I ended up uh, deciding to go um, because of my uh, late decision. Direct flights were, 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 were out of the question. I believe I flew from New York City to Charlotte, then from Charlotte out to Portland. Um, all I can remember is I remember getting to, uh, I think it was Charlotte, and I know Coco was in my, was on my flight. I saw her, you know, mulling around uh, the this, the um, the gate. And in the beginning, when I got there, there was maybe five people. But by the time we were ready to board for Portland, there was two or three Portland Timber fans. But then there was probably another fifteen to twenty NYCFC fans. That's when the energy started to feel real. I landed on uh, on Friday. Uh, I think I landed at like ten o'clock. Portland time. Um, didn't really do much that night because I knew the next morning I was going to want to have all my energy. So, uh, didn't really take take part in uh, any of the, the social activities the night before. I was at the breakfast uh, in the hotel with uh, Third Rail that morning. Um, it was like a ho- it was like a um, homecoming. I and I and I've heard people talk about it. Uh, like, uh, Sanchez and the guys on NYCFC forever talk about like. Uh, the home opener. It's like the first day of school. Uh, my story or my, my favorite conversation about uh, about the, the championship was that all the people that I wanted to see um, at, that, at that game and experience that game with were there. And they were, uh, were the, the capos for the, for the most part. Um, you know, they were, I, it didn't matter if it was the 15th minute, the 30th minute, the 50th minute, the 75th minute. When I looked down, um, in the front of the section, there was someone wasn't paying attention to the game, was more focused on saying, Hey, I've got to bring the energy for this team. I've got to drive, uh, the support for this team. And it was a face I recognized. It was a face I've seen for, for the last eight years. And I think that's the part that re- made it feel really special. Um, that's uh, that's it. I mean, holding uh, lock, locking arms with 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 people when that penalty uh, shootout was happening was uh, it felt like we were on the field. There was a tension in the stands. Palpable. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the only probably real regret I had is that I didn't I had a meter credential on my neck, and I forgot to even ask security if I could to get down on the field because I knew my credential said I couldn't. It didn't. Also, didn't matter. If, like I've heard stories of people just, just getting down there or getting access down there, and you know, it's it's one of those things where at that point, maybe in the first ten minutes, it would have been a little chaotic, and there would have people would have been people saying, "No, you can't do it." But for media credential, and you know, Dial is doing started to do his strip tease. <laughs> so relaxed that the stadium is basically emptied out. I'm sure you know there could have been some flexibility, but then again, one of the things that is unique about um, why I've approached this this team uh, is fan media, and it's it's driven. I, I reference Sam Cook. He's he's the uh, head of NYCFC comms. It's driven him mad sometimes because there are times when he'll see me as media, he'll see me. You know, again, media don't wear the colors when they go to games. Media don't wear the colors when they're in the locker room or when they're in the uh, in the press box. And he, there's also times where he'll see me 
know, I'll be like, hey, this is full me. I'm I'm wearing my NYCFC hat. I'm wearing my my jersey. I'm I'm doing whatever, and it confuses him. He doesn't know how to handle it because he wants to treat me like media, and he also wants to treat me like a fan and and be able to tell me no. And there are times when he has to say yes because you said I, I'm one of the few guys who's been around since the beginning. Yeah, that's my story. It was uh, I didn't I I am jealous, Joe. I did not get to hold the cup in the uh, in the lobby of the. Uh, I decided to go get something to eat as opposed to going go right to the hotel where the where the party was. I missed that opportunity, and I've seen your picture, and I've seen a uh, Carol and a bunch uh, Dan's pictures. So I did miss that, but it's uh well. So it's all good. so I actually stumbled in it by just happy happenstance um after the match i was so excited and pumped and um i had lost i was there with barney um, um and uh uk and ycfc and um we had gotten separated and he i guess he was going back to the hotel but i was like like i'd walked out of the stadium and then all of a sudden boom i looked to my left and there was buses lined up and i was like i walked over and i think i, I asked somebody i was like is this like are these the nycfc buses going back to the hotel and they were like yeah um, I had grabbed one of the Timberland boots that we used as like the portable TIFOs, folded it up, put, took it out of the stadium. And then I, I, so I had it on me and then I was kind of just hanging out by the railing. There's maybe like, it was like me and like literally legit, like four or five other people hanging out by the railing by where the buses were. No one else was around. And then as the players start coming out, like they're coming over to like, to like sign stuff. I was like, I was so happy. I'd opened up the boot and I had a marker and I was just like, sign the golden boot, sign the golden Tim, sign the golden Tim. Cause Topti was there. And I, I was like. Um, and then all of a sudden, like after the players come out, I think it was uh, it was like the, one of the equipment managers had had the, had the cup and walked over to the five of us at the railing. Was like, you guys, you guys want to hold it and take a picture with it? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just sitting there and like you see my picture, my face is like surprised but smiling, and I'm just like, I can't believe I'm probably one of like the first like non team personnel to hold hold the MLS Cup trophy. Like this is this is wild. Like this, this whole experience was just mind numbingly wild. Just a wild experience, and then walking back to the to the hotel, and I'm, I'm like, "Are we really just in a big uh, uh, hotel venue with like two thousand people who travel to Portland on a week's notice?" And then all of a sudden, the team walks in, and Maxi's on people's shoulders, like, and it, I, I, it just it was just it was wild, wild and insane, and it's something that I will not for, I will not forget until I get amnesia or or or, or some mental neurological. De- uh, disease uh but it's it's gonna be in the forefront of my memory for the rest of my life it was absolutely it's a it's a beautiful story and, and again that's red bull can talk about red bull fans can talk about everything they want but those moments uh never gonna have that no they can't and philly we got philly is the next game coming up It'll be the same thing philly can talk about you know, how many you know how many I mean, what, what the Philly has one shield, but it's, oh, you know, it's it's still going to be it's a COVID shield. That you know, not being able to to hold that trophy, not being able to take pictures with it, not being able to celebrate with your team with with your fan base, uh, it 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 tightens the bond, definitely does. Yeah, they, they they didn't even have the trophy. In fact, it was the fans that wanted that trophy back that year. Because they were originally going to cancel it, and then they brought it back. And I, I, f- I feel like if the the season was a little longer, if it was normal, I think Toronto would have caught up to them and won. Yeah, um, it's the Philly has the uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda cups. <laughs> All right. So, so- Joe, I actually have 
Well, they got yeah, they uh, got two asterisks on their crest, so. I have two of those timber timber boots uh, from, but those are from the Yankee Stadium event with where when they were first uh, unveiled, mm-hmm. not from uh, from Portland. Yeah, so somehow or another, they they made it on the subway, me home, and uh, they're still in my basement. Yeah, I, I need to find somewhere because um, I I have like a lot of player signatures on there, and um, but I, I want to preserve it, so I need to find somewhere that can uh, like, uh, what's it called? Put in the put the plastic, like, huh? Frame it. Not for, oh, frame it, but I also want to put like the I want uh, what's it called when you put something when you put a piece of paper in plastic to make preserve it so does laminate it, it? laminate laminate I got to find somewhere that can laminate it so that I can preserve it because um, it I mean I, just, it, I mounted it in, and put it inside a frame I wouldn't laminate it no you laminate it usually lamination bond directly to with the signatures okay good to know so now I won't do that <laughs> thank you I appreciate that because I'd be really upset if I ruined my own thing. Um, all right, so I guess uh, I guess it's as good a time as ever to uh, talk about the most recent um, re- result of uh, the most recent NYCFC match. Um, we have to. I, I mean, I, I mean, it was a positive result. We could we could just end it right here and be like, hey, hey, happy go lucky, like we <laughs> nice little. I, I mean, I, I I mean, if you go to the Ryan Johnson school of subverting the expectations and want to make a want to make a podcast similar to the Last Jedi, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, we could do that. Just that. That's it. My, Michael, the Michael Andor, the Michael Andor tale. It, 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 which is a, which is probably better than anything that we have to say about this fucking game. Anyway. <laughs> All right. You're so going on the uh, the Siegel moment being the Thorarinson mo- moment from uh... yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's not all bad, and we'll get into it. But uh, yeah, no, I would. Uh, <laughs> I'll let I'll let Joe uh, steer us. So one-one uh, draw. Um, at Orlando City, uh, we we went down in the seventh minute of the match. Um, so this uh, this one one draw brings our all time record at Orlando City to two wins, four losses, seven draws, all competitions. So in a nutshell, uh, it's not bad. It's not that bad. Not that bad. I two wins. Expected more losses, to be honest. Seven, four losses. We draw them a lot. So I mean, I, and actually, I wrote down yeah. here. So uh, we have one, two, three, four, five. We have five, five draws. What? I was gonna say two of those losses were were outcomes where a draw was not an option. Yes. Well, um. So I, I counted. Uh, so I, I come from the school. Thought that uh, the uh, the November. 2020 uh, PK that that technically the result of the full time was draw they won on penalty kick so that, that like so I, I count that in the draw category um, so you didn't count that in the loss count no okay. no it's a draw technically I mean it's just the, it's no, the, the only the only reason why we had to go to PKs was because it was an, it was an advancement it was an advancement was necessary we, we know the rules of the sport Joe, continue. <laughs> um, so yeah, so actually, I, I should have went on DraftKings before because I, I guess I didn't look at this well enough. But um, we've now one, two, three, we, five times, five, five of the seven draws in this series have been one-one. <laughs> I should have went and bet on DraftKings. I should have predicted the score would have been one-one. Um, would have made, made, made a little little pocket change. Uh, so yeah, so another one-one one-one uh, draw to uh, to Orlando City, uh, Mickey Mouse, Disney FC. <laughs> Because that's uh, how they clears uh, Disney. That's the official trademark oh. of their of the, that's that's how they're filed under the MLS trademark is is Orlando City Mickey Mouse Disney FC. That's that's official. <laughs> that's how that's how NYCFC started their MLS career career against Orlando. So uh, yeah, yeah we've bookended it now. 
we bookended uh literally we one one draw the last result and their first ever actual result was one one yeah against the same team in so, the same city so i guess the next chronological thing to talk about would probably be the lineup um or, or we can quickly talk about so we're officially ninth in the east um, we, uh, huh. we are, we have, four, back four, yeah, we're, back, we're back above the Mason Dixon line. We we're in the poor above the playoff line. We we're at nine. I love how you call it the Mason Dixon line. I went to oh. West, I went to West Virginia oh. university, man. That the Mason Dixon. Well, why Mason not Dixon's call it the thing. Mendoza line? I don't even know what that is. What's a man? Who's Mendoza? Oh, it's a baseball God. term. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That's so the so problem. I don't like, follow baseball. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you say Mason Dixon line, you're, you're essentially dividing the north of the United States. And I know what, you know what the Mason Dixon line. I'm not going to fucking explain what the Mason Dixon line is to you. You're basically implying that if you're south, it's bad. It is bad. <laughs> Have you ever been to fucking Florida? It's beautiful. I love Florida. No. <laughs> They're cr- You've never they, they are batshit crazy you'll, you'll, down in Florida. <laughs> I Christian, love you'll, you'll fit right in. You'll fit right I, in. I lived in Florida for a year. I yeah, loved it. You, yeah, and the, and the one year you you lived there, we won. So maybe you uh, should live there full time. Uh, 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 one of these days, I'm gonna smack him in the back of his fucking head. Like, like, like the, one of these days, it's, it's gonna happen. I'm just gonna, you know, just just when he's not expecting it. Listen, well, I be, one of the last times I've been to Florida, in, they, in Florida they have things called alligator farms where you just walk around and I, and, and you're constantly might be eaten by an alligator. Like it's. I, I, I lived in Florida. <laughs> I lived in Florida for a year and never saw a single alligator no. ever. Not a single one. I saw a lot of fucking lizards. <laughs> yeah, those little um, fuckers, right? A... The geckos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just jump around like, like, and, and and they don't fucking move until like you actually like, 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 like step near. But like, I mean, like, regardless, use the Mendoza line. The Mendoza <laughs> line's a lot better. Right. Like, like, or just say playoff line, you weird fuck. Okay. Like, like, just like. All right. So we're, anyway, anyway, so to 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 recap this whole thing, we're ninth in the East again, which is I guess a good spot to be in. It's not. It's, it's an okay spot to be. Yeah. In. Uh, that, that, four, four wins, one draw at home, zero wins, five lo- five draws, three losses. Five draws, three losses? Five losses, three draws on the road. Yes. Um, last, oh. Still the last team in the Eastern Conference to find a way to get three points on the road. So we're doing swimmingly in that in that uh, department. Um, and uh, I mean, I guess the moral of the story is, is that we, we got to positive result we got a point for our, our travels down to down to orlando um i guess the next talking point would be that would be the lineup who wants to, uh, christian you want to take us through the lineup uh let's see if i can do it by memory it was barraza and net it was Tavon gray at right back uh Chineau and tiago martins at center back kevin o'toole at left back uh, james sands and keaton parks in the central midfield uh, Ledesma at the 10, Talos Magno on the left, Jennifer <clears throat> on the right, and Santi Rodriguez at the 9. I don't know. Who cares? If you swap Ledesma and fucking Santi, I don't give a shit. No. They play the same role. No. What? M- million Dollar Man got the start at left wing, dude. Osh Magno didn't start. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot that Matias Pellegrini came oh, off in the sixth minute. Like, like, what did he come off in, like, the fourth minute? Ninth. <laughs> after, yeah. Two minutes after the goal got scored, he came off. The million, so the million dollar man got got the start at left wing. I oh man, that's like how much? I, how I much do we pay? So if he if he came off the ninth minute, how how much how much how much uh, how much were we paying him for nine minutes of of, of duty? <laughs> Almost a hundred thousand dollars a minute. <laughs> yeah, about a so hundred and uh, I'd say I'd say about a hundred and five dollars. One hundred five, and, and I say I say we dollars. like it's coming out of my bank account. It's coming out of uh, uh, Sheik Mansour's bank account. Um, Mansoor. Sorry. Uh, Santi <laughs> at the nine GP on the right. Um, I'd say that, it, I mean, it was, 
I was surprised. I'm surprised. I mean, I, I, I mean, let's go around here. I mean, I'm surprised that we're still trotting out Nick, uh, 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 Kevin O'Toole and Tavon Gray as the starting fullbacks. I thought it was just kind of a rotation thing, but it seems like it's not anymore. And I'm yes, Pellegrini wasn't a surprise. The... I think I think a lot of people were ex- expecting that Talish was due for a rotation. Yeah, well, look, he he's, he he didn't start against Charlotte. Either he or Chano started against Charlotte after the uh, TFC kerfuffle, and he uh, Talish came on at halftime. And, uh, I think after his most recent run of of games. Uh, he, he hadn't improved, so I think a lot of people were like, you know "What? Let him let him take a break. Let him sit down on the bench and sh- show the same message that he sh- uh, that Cushing had shown Pereira by saying, hey, if you're not going to uh, work, if you're not going to give me results, you're gonna you're gonna miss a game." I think if Pellegrini doesn't get hurt, I don't know how much we see Talish in this in this game. Yeah. I mean, I think that like. So the thing that we've been clamoring for the last few games is like is that difference maker, that super sub off the bench that can come and provide a spark, especially because we've been perpetually chasing matches um, in the last few last few games, conceding early and then having to fight and claw and scratch our way back into the game, um, which didn't happen against Red Bull and um, and then but thank God we were able to to find a way to salvage this this game in Orlando. So. I, I was once I saw the lineup. I was like, okay. I was like, I was like, maybe he, maybe maybe he gives uh, Pellegrini forty-five minutes, sixty minutes at max, and then Talis comes in with fresh legs to run at at their defense, um, and maybe maybe he he finds magic. Um, but uh, I definitely did not expect to be burning a, a sub nine minutes into the match. But I mean, it's it, it's just it's. Pellegrini is like he's an, he's a, a, an enigma. I, I I don't I don't I don't know what what to. I mean, he's is on, he an enigma? He's I, I on a fat like, contract. Fat contract. Uh, yeah, but I think he's quite clearly a bad player. I wouldn't call him an enigma. Yeah, but, I would but, say he's overpaid. But he he was getting a run of games earlier in the season. I, I get, I, and we were bewildered by that. But he was just there. He was getting yeah. trotted out there like a couple games in a row. And I well, like, I mean, I mean that's before. I mean that's before Santi got to the club. Yeah. I mean those two games. Per, preceded the deal that brought Santi back in. That's really the only reason. If Santi was there from day one. And Ledesma. But, uh, yeah, uh, and, and Ledesma. Like, like, and, and he showed us absolutely nothing in those first few games as well. I mean, like, like, I don't think he's an enigma. I think we can clearly say that this is a player that Inter-Miami scouts got. Because let's face it, we're, his contract right now is based and, and inspired and, you know, by the contract, for lack of a better term, inspired. Uh by his contract from Inter Miami well, that we took off their hands and then we gave him a raise when we claimed him yeah. off waivers twice. What the f- uh, <laughs> well, we claimed him off waivers from our own team, which I didn't even know was fucking But to, to give him a raise? Like, what did yeah, he do yeah, to that? a raise. Uh, that's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, an, it, it's definitely an aggressive business uh, strategy, I would say. Um, but uh, no, I listen, from what he's shown in Miami, from what he's shown here, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say that we have like you know, he's played a full ninety like too too many times since he's been here. But I don't, I, I don't think he's a fucking good player. At least I don't think he's the player that Miami thought he would be. Uh, yeah. Definitely so, uh, and I don't think that he's the player that, that seemingly we thought he would be, seeing as we thought he was worth paying seven figures. Uh, let, we'll let, yeah, we let go of Tiago. 
Well, I mean, it's, Tiago and Pellegrini are pretty much like direct opposites. Like P- Tiago, pace merchant, Pellegrini, like looks like he's running. But at least Tiago looks, like, looks like he's Thiago running. In, looks like he's running underwater. <laughs> That's how slow he is. But at least Tiago's <laughs> capable of having those moments where he can actually give you something. I'm like Pellegrini. Pellegrini just gives you nothing. So Pellegrini was only on the field for nine minutes, but I have a very there was a very big moment in the match for uh, for him. He was uh, like on like a counterattack. Um, was I guess he was he was getting kind of jostled a little bit and getting tugged a little bit, and he just stops running and throws his hands up in the air. The referee doesn't call a foul, and then they're like countering off of it. While they're countering off it, he's still just like walking and like just like oh I didn't get the call, but I'm just gonna like walk now. And I was just like <laughs> I was like what what are, what are we doing? Why what, what is what is he doing? Why is he on the pitch? Um, he can't even outrun one player uh, to, to to get into space and, and do something, and then he has the gall to stop and throw his hands up and try to get a call. Um, in Pellegrini's defense, Conte did the same thing uh, in the box. I guess like three minutes, yeah, three minutes later, Arujo had him locked up. Uh, look, I think Arujo. I think if Santi goes down, the, the, look at Arujo when he flopped when Ledesma touched him. Yeah, he almost did a cartwheel when Ledesma <laughs> touched him. Did it twice. <laughs> did it twice. The same flop. <laughs> I think if Santi does that. When when Arujo has him, because Arujo's got him basically hands on each hip, keeping him from moving. And, and if Santi, you know, kind of pulls forward and tries to advance and, and falls to the ground, at least it's something that the the VAR might look at and be like, hey, he, you know, the guy's got a, a full grip around his waist. Like him, I actually have a case there. Unlike unlike him, he's just like standing. He's like, yeah, he's you, like you're not gonna get anything called if you do that. I mean, if you go down, at least you got a case. Oh. I, I, I hear what you're saying, Joe, and I don't disagree. Pellegrini uh, definitely didn't, uh, you know, bathe himself in in praise last night. But uh, it, there was definitely – ref was letting the, the play be very physical at times, but then also um, call, calling some some odd calls. Yeah. Why did he come off again? Was, it, was he hurt? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah something like that, I think. Uh, he, was, he was limping by the time he, uh, he, came, he came off. Yeah, because I I missed it because I was uh, I was in the so Andrew you're not in the Discord server. But I'm pretty sure you've heard about it. Well, you're in the Discord server now, uh, <laughs> but uh, but um, like uh, during games, during away games especially, or some like 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 and probably some home games as well. We have a live game chat where we all hang out, we sync our broadcasts, and we watch the game together. And uh, I think it was I was at that point. I might have like stepped away or like looked away for a second. Then before I knew it, I was like Talos Magno's coming. I mean, uh, we. I missed it, so I was like, is, "Is he just like flat out pulling Matias Pellegrini like <laughs> ten minutes into this game?" Like, and I was just like, "Because that would be ballsy." But uh, yeah, no. Then I heard that he might have been hurt, so I was like, "Ooh, okay." It'd be like that sixteen-minute debut that happened in the Bundesliga like that, like eleven years ago. Yeah, I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't like he I, off a sub. I can't wait to get the uh, to read the ominous article where it just lists him as lower body injury. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta wait about a week. <laughs> Um, all right, so I mean, b- before Pellegrini comes off, seventh minute, um, ball, uh, uh, ball is on the le- uh, left side of the pitch. It wasn't left side. It was a left side pitch, right? Yeah, because it was on the left side. It got played in, and it got played back out again. Service comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kara finds his way um, in between Chino and Martins, and just power power, power headers unmarked it down into the ground. On uh, unmarked, un- unmarked, uncontested. Uh, Barraza doesn't. He does like this, like little half knee slide turn thing as the ball is getting thunder, thunder headed down into into the net. Doesn't make himself big, lay out. Uh, doesn't really make any 
feasible attempt at trying to keep the ball from going in the back of the net. But it was a pretty pacey ball being headed in, but still didn't do anything. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, how, how did how did we all feel seven minutes into this match seeing the ball end up in the back of the net? And, and did, did we think that the floodgates were going to open and we were going to get dumped on? Let's Andrew? See. Let's start with Andrew. I, I definitely did not think we were going to get a point out of this game. Uh, and that's tough seven minutes in. Uh, that's been the way NYCFC has been on the road. It's been um, it's been NYCFC pretty much all season. They, there's very much a, a, a star for optimism and, um, and desire to think that this team can recover. So do I think the floodgates were going to open? No. Um, I do think that that was a, a horrible mistake. I think Tavon Gray could have done better closing down the space. I don't know how the center uh, the center forward slips in between the two center backs. Um, Joe, I'd be curious because uh, I don't know uh, who who's at fault. Whether I, I I'm gonna say it's it's actually Baraza at fault for not communicating better to the, the he's supposed to control the box and say, hey guys, this guy's right in between the two of you, and I don't see either one of you knowing that he's there, but. Uh, I don't know which center back is at more more at fault. I I would think it would be Chano because he's got uh, the player in front of him, uh, but maybe it's Martins for uh, for for losing him and not making a play on the ball. I mean, I I think it's it's all three of them. So from the goalkeeper position, everybody, all eleven, all eleven players in the field, all ten players, including the goalie, every game, the players should be should be sick of the sound of Luis Barraza's voice because he should be constantly communicating and, and, and shouting direction on the pitch the entire match, especially to his back line, like, and, and especially with the, with the, uh, the players. I mean, obviously, uh, Tiago Martins is, is a veteran. Maxime Cheneau is a grizzled veteran. And then we have the young guys, um, out on, on the, on the flanks. Um, so he, sh- what? Well, there was a there was another mix up that happened later in that half. There was like I remember I recall one very specific play where uh, the ball was lobbed into the box, and it was something that Barraza could have easily just claimed and just and, and you know put out like any you know in fire that might have ensued. But you know cleared it, and then like Barraza kind of just stood there, kind of like this, and then he like I I, I mean I I couldn't read his lips, and I don't know what was said, but I'd imagine it was something along the lines of you got. And like, and I can see him motioning. He's like, like, like you have to fucking tell me when like you've got a ball. Like you need to like say something. Like, like, like you can't just expect me to know that you're fucking there. Like, like you know, I've got a job to do. My job is to clear the danger. Uh, your job is is to is to help with that and and come and collect the ball with your hands and you know and and and, and you know flush out any attack that the opposing team might have. And he didn't do that. Like, like there definitely seems to be a communication issue. Uh, with Barraza and that, like, I don't think he communicates with the center backs at all. He doesn't, he doesn't command anything at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, it's one of my reasons why I'm like, I'm not really too hot on him. He does seem to be a little bit tentative to speak up to either Martins or Cheneau. I mean, and Cheneau and Martins both speak English. So does Barraza, you know, so there's no language barrier there. Uh, I just don't think that Barraza has the chutzpah, you know, to, to say anything. And I think that's a problem when you're a goalkeeper. You have to be in charge of that area. You have to be directing traffic constantly and telling everybody where they should be, where you are. And if you have Cheneau, who's 34 years old and has been playing football for a very, very long time and has been playing for a very long time for this club specifically, 
you know, like, like, you know, if you have him confused, uh, then I don't, I think that speaks louder than, you know, anything. I think that that's the proof in the pudding right there. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, the, the struggles that we're having at the goalkeeper position with the communications and, and the commanding of the area and things, um, you, you have to look at. So Luis Barraza is only a couple years removed from being a collegiate soccer player. Um, and then also his first couple seasons with the club, he was playing with the second team um, with, the, with, with, the, with those young guys. Um, so now, now all of a sudden he's being launched into this role that he may not, I mean, he may not possess the, the attributes necessary to to be a, a first team keeper yet um i'm not i'm not going to write him off completely and say that he's he's hogwash and that we should just cast him into the abyss um but also the same thing can be said for matt freese because matt, matt freese is also not that far removed from playing college soccer at harvard um and then has been just sitting behind andre blake in philadelphia um also playing for their second second team um so both these guys don't have experience being the lead guy in a first division MLS squad. And I think that everyone around them knows that. So they might not have that level of, of, um, of expectations for them um, to, to do these like small little things that lead to bigger problems. Like with the communication, like I'm sure Sean Johnson, when he came out to collect the ball, he was boisterous and loud and he knew when, what to say and when to say it. These got a guy like Barraza and Freeze might not, they, they might not know how to, do that yet because they haven't um they haven't been in the situation before this is this is Barraza's I mean he has what does he has at this point does he have less than no he has just about uh about 15 starts I think 15 for the starts game, so far thereabouts um, give or take yeah so game. I mean he's it's rel- he's still relatively green behind the ears and then freaking uh Freese uh has one U.S. Open Cup start and a, a handful of starts for the for the Philadelphia Union uh, behind Andre Blake so I mean, uh, it's, also, it's also the same goalkeeper Talos Magno dunked on in that uh, 2021 MLS Cup run. Yes, thank you, for, thank you for for uh, for reminding us about that. That was uh, it was a good good memory for us. Poor memory for him, but watch watch Barraza. The one thing that makes me concerned about Barraza is feels like he gets more nervous the later the game goes on. As as players would, would are supposed to traditionally grow into a game. Say okay, the more you you get experience, the more you gain confidence. Uh, look at even Orlando is a perfect example. Watch his body language late in the game, and he is just not comfortable. Uh, he's he's not uh, not responding the way I would expect a keeper who's saying, okay, you know, I I know what this team is going to do. I I know how to how to how to shift my deep my defense in front of me. The, the body language is tough. This is something that we've seen since Barraza started playing for NYCFC. I remember the uh, the Open Cup match last year against Red Bull. It was very evident that Cheneau and Barraza were not on the same page. And it just Cheneau didn't want to admit it. You could see it in the way they played. The, the expectations of where each each other were supposed to be were weren't different were, were different and it was a situation that uh that still hasn't been resolved i think that's on barraza i think Chano is used to expecting the keeper to control the box that's what that's what you're taught is that the, it's the keeper's box you do what the keeper you know asks you to do especially for him being a veteran and 
having international experience with Luxembourg, you know, playing against Europe's like top, you know, such as Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, uh, as washed as you want to say he is, uh, he's still a good player. You know, he's he's competing against uh, top European nations uh, in qualifiers, so he's he's obviously used to somebody, um, you know, a goalkeeper commanding the box. But that's something uh, Barraza lacks. So I, I don't know if uh, that's something Matt Fries, uh has in his set of skills, but uh, it's quite evident that Barraza uh, just doesn't command that like respect. Uh, you'd say it's probably like someone like a Sean Johnson would uh, for this club and when it comes to the goalkeeping department. Well, I think one of the challenges is the fact that uh, you have Martins and Chano. Uh, I should know this, but let me check. Um, how old uh, Martins is? He's about you know, 26, 27, I think. And how old is Barraza? Barraza's 25, like 25, 25 I think. Still oh. relatively young for a keeper. Barraza's 26. Um, yeah. Martins is 28. Well, that that's I think that's part of it is that there's there's a maturity level. You know, Cheneau has the age advantage on Barraza from a, an experience level. Martins as well. Barraza, it's his job to take over that and and be more uh, demanding about what he wants. Is he going to abdicate to uh, to seniority, and that's that's the wrong thing. That's why that could be why Johnson was so effective, because that's why they say keepers develop uh, at a later age and they can play for a longer period of time. Well, they play until like they're forty three. I mean, look at Gigi Buffon. Yeah, well, I mean, Gigi Buffon's like the exception of the rule, but I mean, the, the, yeah, but the thing is, like, keep, goalkeepers can typically like they typically hit their prime in like their early thirties, as opposed to like an outfield player who like hit their prime around like twenty five, twenty six, like enter their prime around that time, and will probably be in be in that period until they're about thirty or maybe like thirty one, thirty two in some cases. You know, everybody's primes. I mean, I mean, shit. I mean, everybody's primes different. I mean, look at Tim Ream right now. I think Tim Ream is playing the best football of his life, and he's thirty five. So uh, but that that comes from being a wily veteran, and because uh, Tim Ream's not the most fleet of foot, but because he's been around for so long, he knows how to take angles and do certain things. So he's been able to extend well, his career. Um, well, sure. I'm just, I'm just, I, I, Only he I'm was twenty three, right? I, I, I'm just I'm just I'm just making the case that like like for you know like a goalkeeper's not going to go like typically not going to go into their forties, but they they can make it until like their. 38 39 at a high level and maybe start like winding the career around like 40 like 41 like typically that's like in their like 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 within you know the realm of possibility but like barraza just you know like because i don't i don't want to get too hung up on him but and 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 and, and these things aren't mutually exclusive i'm not saying that because barraza doesn't have them and freeze must have them you know that you know they're still there's like by all by all means like they're still both of them are unknown like you know like 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 unknown variables at this point like we still don't know exactly what we have i mean i i think like like my in my personal opinion i think i've seen enough about barraza at this point to say that i don't think he's the answer i think he's just a backup and that's pretty much like that's his ceiling he's someone that you can call upon in a pinch if like your other your main goalkeeper is not available and like do a respectable job and not embarrass himself i think he's a bit out of his depth as a starter personally I, I just Matt Fries is twenty four years old, so he's younger than Barraza. Uh, yeah, but but I mean not by much, but uh, but also Two like, years. but I mean all, the the thing about Freeze is that we we, we paid eight hundred grand for him. You know, we have much, like we selected, 
Luis Barraza in the super draft, did we not? Like, yes. like, like, yeah. like, four years so, ago. So we essentially got him for free. We, we paid, a, in MLS terms, a, a good amount of money uh, for Matt Freeze and for his services. And I think for him to be riding the pine right now is just, I, I don't think that's optimal. In my opinion, well, so on, really on top that. of us having to pay for Matt Freeze, he's also on um, higher wages this in 2023 than Luis Barraza. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there you go. I mean, now listen, everybody's got to earn their time. I'm not saying just because one player is paid more money that they should automatically be playing. I mean, that's how you would expect it to be. But uh, at the same time, I, he hasn't really been given much of an opportunity. Obviously, he had a few appearances at in the preseason, none of which we saw, uh, even though we did see clips of how he did in, against the LA Galaxy, including saving a penalty. And we saw how he did in the Open Cup, uh, in which he made some really good saves. Unfortunately, the one goal that he did concede wasn't really, you know, his fault. But, I mean, we haven't seen enough of him. But I, I would like to see more of him. But the thing is, you, goalkeeper's not really a position she can flip-flop in because, you know, it's a position where guys need to kind of be locked in because, you know, it's not like an outfield player where you know you're going to have to do something. You know, like goalkeepers have games where they're very, very active, and then they have games where they're called into action maybe once, if at all. You know, I have seen games where, you know, teams haven't generated a shot on goal, and keepers are relatively just reserved to playing goal kicks for most of the match. But, I mean, at the same time, like, so, like, you want to see, like, large amounts of games from them in order to come to a conclusion, but, you know... I, I still, even that said, I haven't seen enough from Barraza to like make me think that he's the guy. But I mean, that's just a that's a footnote in this game, I think. Yeah. Barraza. So moseying on over back to the. Uh, what were you going to say, Mike? I got to tell Christian that uh, don't forget Tim Ream is as good as he is because he understands the, the principles of pressure, uh, cover, and balance. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! It just it just, it just got <laughs> yeah. cold, it just got cold in here all of a sudden. I just felt felt a little breeze come through. <laughs> Uh, Joe, I, I don't want to completely uh, hijack your podcast. Huh? I do, do want to pause and say maybe the most important subject should not be the um, the NYCFC draw against Orlando that you're covering tonight. Maybe you should be breaking down the news that Jesse Marsh is the front runner for U.S. Men's National Team coach. Oh my God! Oh, what's to say? Uh, not, not only that, San Diego just got announced. As I mean, it, see, the thing, it, it hurts me because obviously, I mean, being an NYCC supporter, being I'm also a U.S. Men's National Team fan, but but it, I mean, I, I can't I can't lie that it, it hurt it hurts my soul that I'm going to have to uh, uh, um, hope that a, a former Red Bull employee um, can can save my country, my country's soccer team. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it seems like he's the front runner. Um, so much for hiring Matt Crocker now. Do you, Joe? Do you think he can do it? I mean, it, it, is is energy is, soccer going to be an effective way to to coach Christian Pulisic, uh, you know, Gio Reyna and Tim Weah? Is is he gonna is he gonna transform the men's national team into the the energy drink style of play of of just high press and hope you can win the ball and hope you, hope you don't get thing. hope you don't gas out before the 90th minute the, the, the i don't think the us i don't think the us national team even really needs saving like like i think it needs a manager that doesn't get in the fucking way like 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 greg, like, like cuz greg treated the national team like it was a club oh you want to fit a system like that's good and that's good and dandy when you have like an international transfer market to rely upon and you can call upon any number of players from any corner of the world 
to fill that role for you. But when you're when you're coaching international football, the the players dictate the system because there's only so many player there's only there's only so many players who are capable of playing at that level within any international pool hell some international pools don't have any that should be playing at that level um but i all i need jesse marsh to do uh and i don't think jesse marsh is necessarily a bad manager i don't think he's necessarily very good but and 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 if he if i see any fucking malarkey similar akin to the like shit that i saw with fucking uh triple g in there uh like i I, then i'm immediately going to be very annoyed Uh, just just shut the fuck up play players in their best positions play the best players and give them a basic fundamental of what they should be doing according to their strengths i don't want to see any of this oh you know like uh john brooks doesn't fit the system go fuck yourself john brooks doesn't fit the system john brooks would have been an improvement over either fucking walker zimmerman or Whoever other, the other, uh, Aaron Long, Aaron Long that we fucking called in. Are you kidding me? John, Aaron Long can get a fucking call up, but John. He, he didn't even can't. play a minute in the World Cup. Uh, uh, like, like, I mean, thank fuck for that. But I mean, at the same time, he, it's, he, like, it's, it's a waste of a roster spot. Yeah, it's a oh, waste no. of a roster. Hey, yeah. Wait till Aaron Long is a starter every every game. Oh, no. up because uh, because Martian and him. Actually, I think the, the reports are that Marsh will take over after the Gold Cup. Um, I mean. Great. Listen, uh, uh, like I said before, just call call up the best players and play them to their strengths. The players dictate the system in an international team, not not you. You know, like 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 like, like I, I I don't need to be seeing fucking bounce passes and fucking you know whatever else like Triple G brought in his quirky self. Now listen, I feel I I, I emphasize with Burhalter with the whole entire Claudio Reyna situation that was unacceptable, and I think we can all say that like independent of whether or not I think he's a good football mind. I don't, uh, nobody should have to be, have fucking blackmail. Nobody should be blackmailed with shit that happened 30 years ago. Uh, because you're angry because your son didn't play as much as he should have. Now, do I agree that Gio Reyna should have played more fucking minutes than Jordan fucking Morris? Yeah, I do. Mr. Speed and power. Mr. Speed and power himself. (laughs) However, there's a line that you just don't fucking cross. Uh, and he crossed it. And I sympathize w- w- with Greg for that. But that's about as far as my sympathy is. It doesn't make me think he's a good football coach. That doesn't make me think he's the right guy for the job. I wouldn't take him for NYCFC, even if you paid me. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's it. Um, I want to add something to that. I think, he, I think also I think I heard something like crazy stat. I think he only had like a – 37 percent win percentage at columbus crew he never won anything with the crew ever he never won I mean, a, he, like, he he got to be fair he got him to a final but then steve clark shot himself in the foot 30 seconds in that sounds I mean, that who, sounds who, familiar who, when did that did that happen another time in the mls cup with steve clark yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the foot when Tati scored <laughs> so i mean so along with this u.s men's national team talk um so i, I uh uh, hold on. Okay. U- U.S. Men's National Team, uh, although there's not a transfer window in international football, we got a pretty important transfer from for the U.S. Men's National Team this week as well. News. We got a striker finally. Florian Balogun. Yeah, transfer. Was, transfer was, news. Was ask, U.S. Men's are, National are we, Team. I was, about to, I was about to ask, are we wrapping up like the USMNT talk so we can end on a positive? <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe we should. But uh, Well, we, well uh, we got Florian Balogun, so hopefully... Hopefully he can continue his world class form. No more, uh, no more seeing Jesus season. Ferreira masquerading as a nine. 
Oh, he's gone. I, I mean, no more seeing Jesus Ferreira masquerading <laughs> as a good football player, more like it. I don't think he's fucking, I don't think he's quality at all. I think he, listen, my opinions of the quality in MLS are like well documented. I don't think the MLS is very good. I love my local club. That doesn't make me think that the league is good. I don't think it's of a high quality. I just love my local club. It doesn't matter. Quality is secondary. My passion's first. Uh, uh, I, I, I think Ferrero would be, I, I think if he went to Europe, even like a league like Belgium or something like that, something that's not quite top five, I think he would be a complete fish out of water. I think he'd be exposed. Uh, and the fact that he got called over Ricardo Pepe or Jordan Peacock, Peacock is a fucking crime against humanity and should be, pro- and I think Greg Perhalter should be fucking pro- like, prosecuted for war crimes like yeah like like, for treason (laughs) i'm sorry like like like, you can't tell me that you don't have money on england to win this fucking group and like like and like you can't tell me that he doesn't and call in that that batch of players like granted we didn't play too bad against england but that's because england's not good let's let's face reality england's not a very they've never been always underachievers always the bridesmaid never just the bride. a bunch of individuals that's it uh, and yeah no but that just also i i i've never talked about this in the pod before i, I my, and 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 there's a lot of uh mls fans that will hear this and nycfc fans will hear this and think it's sacrilege i don't really give i don't really give two shits about international football for the most part i don't care for it too much because the last thing I want to do is put myself in a situation where I'm rooting for Tyler Adams or Aaron Long <laughs> or any like of these fucking scumbags who I hate, you know, to do something good. Like, like, like it, it hurts my feelings legitimately. I mean, like I obviously always catch fire during any match with Mexico and the World Cup, the Gold Cup. I could care less about. Um, I'll probably watch the Copa America next year just for the just for the fact that the level of play and the quality will be more than much higher than the Hondurases of the world so supposedly and, argentina's coming to uh new jersey to play a game so i i would love to see it i was there the last um, i was there the last time they did gotta, yeah, gotta see the goat in the flesh yeah i would he love a to lot, see the goat. He was a lot younger then <laughs> all right um should we pivot back to uh back to this uh bullshit game if you want yesterday? If you want. Um, I mean, I guess, so down 1-0, 45th minute, Seagal comes on for Ledesma. Um, let's let's go back uh, real quick. Uh, Kyle Smith getting the uh, the yellow card in the 33rd, 33rd minute. Um, it's just, it's, it's important because it indicates a, a weakness that NYCFC probably could have taken advantage of more. Uh, but, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cushing I, waited thirty minutes before thirty, you know, thirty minutes of play before he brought on uh, Elenich, uh and took off Tavon Gray. I thought Pereira would have eaten uh, Smith up alive if the ball was uh, on his side more. And I don't know why we were uh, granted. We we brought on Siegel for Ledesma, so maybe that changed the point of attack from wings to the center. So this is this. I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that, Andrew, because like this was a I can like. Something that we were talking about, like I, I don't know if it was us three uh, talking about it after the Red Bull game, but uh, it was definitely like in the Discord where we were talking. I think uh, G- Coach Geo, uh, our friend Geo, was uh, definitely uh, involved in this conversation. But like, uh, like the, in, in that like Red Bull game, you know, there was there was quite a few players like on the defense side of the ball for Red Bull that ha- that were on yellow cards, 
And I was of the mind. It's like we always talk about Andres Jason's ability to come in and draw fouls. You know, if if, if he's good for anything, it's that. Like, like, like G- and Gio like proposed. It's like why not go full dark arts mode on them? Bring Andres Jason on the sixty-five minutes and and run at anybody who is is in the book and just and try to draw because that that's part of Red Bull's mo: foul and press. You know, like, like put put off the opposition and. Uh, pro referees seem to have a knack for just letting them do that. So, but I mean, eventually it's going to add up, and eventually, like, if if you can draw enough, and if you can draw enough hard fouls, then you could put yourself at at at, at an advantage. And and like like yeah, like like Orlando picking up like a yellow card that early, like, and why we didn't try to exploit that, I think is damning on. And this goes into my what what was going to be my greater point tonight. I don't think Cushing belong. It, the, the, Listen, this is a positive result. Let's not let, let's not get it twisted. A draw last night is a good result, but by, by by any standard, you, that, that's basically, you know, like you, you want at least a point on your on your on your travels. And uh, considering the poor form that we've been in, we need something to look up. And it came at a very opportune time, uh, the uh, the moment in question, uh, like so late into the game. However, I do think that this is this game is just another way that Cushing just gets it wrong, like. Like, like the fact that Michi Ilinich has to come off the bench at all in this game, in my opinion, offends me, because I think Michi Ilinich has asserted himself quite well since he got here. I think he's by far the better option at right back. I like Tavon Gray. I I, I I like him as a person. I've met him a few times. He's a good kid. He's fucking energetic. He's got a he's got you know a, a gusto to him. You know he's he's got he's got a dog in him. However. When it comes to his offensive capabilities, his abilities in the attacking third, they're they're a bit lacking. Nietzsche does not lack in that area, and you know, just like for for, for and, and and in the system that we want to play, we're relying on those fullbacks to bring us our wits, especially with both of our wingers being inverted and wanting to cut inside. That that makes our attack quite narrow once we get into the final third. And in order to get that whip, we need those fullbacks making those overlapping runs and making good deliveries into the box. Michi Ilinich is quite adept at doing that. They're like, do, like, like, do, do you not agree, Andrew? Oh, I, I do. I do agree. I think that that be, begs the question. Um, so I, I'm curious what you guys have to say. What is our, what is our style of attack? And, and I know <laughs> it's a little fluid because we're, we're toying with so many different, options at striker we're playing the nine the false nine again Cushing has gone back to this, this talking point of hey but against Dallas we were doing well and against Dallas no one was questioning our our offense against Dallas you had Kufre on the left and Ilinich on the right now what's going on with Kufre he hasn't played in what four games uh what's going on with Ilinich he's played sparringly uh he's come in when Gray's been hurt uh I st- I agree with Christian. I I think Ilinich is is the answer on the right. I don't know why you'd I don't know why you need to give an eighteen year old kid rest every every four days. No, I I agree completely. I, I just it, it it makes no sense to me. And and you know you said what what exactly is your and you and you brought it up and you took the words out of my mouth. What is this team's attacking style? I don't think we fucking have one. I don't know what we're. I, I don't know what we're working on in training, but once we get into the final th- third, this team looks like it runs out of ideas. Like we know how to get there, but we don't know what to do once we're finally there. Like like, and 
you know, we've been very like, 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 you know, members of this podcast have been very critical of individual performances and rightly so of Talis Magno and Santi and Santi Rodriguez and Richie Ledesma, you know, once they get into the final third. But I mean, to, to be fair, I mean, if I'm being completely charitable to, to, to those three players, once we get into the final third, and this is pretty much independent of who's there, it looks like it's improv comedy. It looks like we're just kind of trying to just figure it out, like, uh, like, like individually, uh, as opposed to as a collective. We know what to do. We know the blueprint. We know what the system is. We know what we need to do. Let's start doing that. Everybody kind of just has to spend. It, it's basically every man for himself once you pass that halfway line. And 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 that and I think that's a I think that's a damning indictment on Cushing's ability to lead at least from an attacking perspective. Like I just there's nothing like and I said it on Twitter last night. I'm like one moment of brilliance because that goal was a moment of brilliance. I posted that goal earlier today. It's it, it's a very very well worked goal. Brilliant touch by Talis. Great delivery with the left foot. A ama- great late run. Opportunistic run from Seagull. You know to be in the right place and just tap it home. You know very very well worked goal. However, that one moment of brilliance doesn't negate 88, mil- 88 minutes of fucking cluelessness. And I felt like I was the only—I felt like I was the only one in the Twitter sphere that saw that watched the same game because we were all talking about the same thing in the Discord during the live game chat. Like we were like, "What is this team doing in the final third? We don't look like we have an idea. It, we were clueless. We were toothless. No, 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 like nobody's making runs, as Geo said it. Like he keeps saying it. Like, no, like nobody make nobody makes runs. They, runs well, are we're not pa- we're not they, passing into space. They, we're, we're not we're passing into, everything is defeat. Everything is oh, yeah. defeat. And, and, and why? Why aren't we dinking balls over the top? Why aren't we doing like nice one twos with a, like a little lobbed pass past the center back here and there? Like, why, like, why, like why why can't we just have a one two on the wing where someone like Santi links up with Talos? Talos does a little Brazilian back heel, and then Santi just takes the space forward and and see and see where it takes him like why can't well, we just I'll, I'll, string I'll some tell you why they together? won't do it because Joe will complain if they're trying to make a mixtape hey Sorry. If, yeah, I, if the ball ends up in the back of the net I'm all good with it man but when it, it doesn't it, care. It's, it's, a, it's the problem when it doesn't end up in the back of the net and it tur- gets turned over that I tend to have a but huge what issue if, with what it. if it just what if it just creates a good chance I don't think, yeah, but I don't it hasn't think, even it hasn't even been doing that man we've been turning the ball over before we even get the 18 yard box we haven't even been doing. Talos has been doing it. Ta- Talos has been dribbling and doing shit, and it, it always ends up in a turnover. He's not. He's not doing cheeky back passes. Not to cheeky back passes, but, he, but he's taking on defenders and not winning. Not winning the battles because there's no support in the final third. Nobody's showing for each other. Nobody's no supporting. For them. Nobody's making runs. So these players are relying on their own individual cunning in order to make something happen. Uh, I, you know, what? I'm going to disagree with something Davi said, and, and Christian. I guess you're on the same point. This this is what Cushing said, and I, I tend to agree with him. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not saying that Cushing is is getting no, everything by, right. No, by all means. Yeah. Cushing said specifically against the Red Bull game, the Red Bull game, there were three or four times where Pereira made runs, and and Santi made a couple of runs yesterday that were not recognized. So I, I think there's there's an element of spaces there that there there's there's um. There's opportunities. I will say, once the players, and it doesn't take long, I'm going to say it's about a half an hour. Once the players realize these runs are not being recognized, and they that's it. They stop making They stop running. And yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. that's a big challenge. But I look at it, I, I, I think about it like a quarterback in, um, in, in NFL. A quarterback in NFL will check down three or four options. 
Yeah. The best quarterbacks might even check down five options uh, before they make their decision. What NYCFC is doing is they're developing their option. They're, they're looking for their option. They're, they're you know playing to that option. It's not on. Default is, hey, let's go back to the center backs. Let's reset. Let's work it again. It's a matter of, okay, now we've got to go back from Barraza to Parks or Sands. Eventually get it to Parks or Sands, depending on how many times you know, and, and, and Martins want to touch the ball. Then we take a look. That option on? Nope, let's go back. That's the big frustrating thing with, with this team. They, they keep resetting. Tavon Gray have an option, take the risk, go forward, or turn back. I think Tavon Gray turned back, I'm going to guess, nine out of ten times. I mean, again, I the think, game against Red Bull when he's had when he's had a throw in like like oh, at least yeah. at the midfield he's throwing it he's throwing the ball back fifteen yards. In the pa- the passing network between Tavon Gray and Tiago Martins is the thickest line I think I've ever seen in a passing network ever. No, it's I, and that's ultimately where 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 this where this team is is falling apart offensively because it's they're, they're getting to a point if they don't see what they want to see coming back. And I think that's, that's from the coach. I think the coach, we, we were just talking about Elinich and, um, and Kufre. The coach is putting out conservative, conservative lineups, telling the team, Hey, play smart, play conservative. It'll come. The options will come. And the, the team is saying, okay, coach said, if we, if we do the smart thing, the, 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 the time, the, you know, the options will come. And I think the players have to take take the bull by the horns. Uh, and also, like, here's the thing. Like, like, Kevin O'Toole, I think we can all agree on this. Kevin O'Toole is coming off of what might be the worst game he's ever played in an NYCFC shirt. Like, he was that bad last night. There was actually one moment where he almost passed it back. Like, 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 in, like, like he passed. He tried to make a back pass to either Barraza or one of the center backs. Missed the center back. And the ball was just rolling like like dangerously in her box. He had to go back and run for it himself and clear danger. And he looked he looked awful last night. Was that, like, on he, was, that was that mistake on O'Toole or was that mistake on Barraza? I, I don't know whose mistake it was, but like O'Toole, I mean, like independent of whether or not like like that was like his fault, he was at least partially at fault. Uh, and and he just didn't have a good game. And I don't think he had a good game against Red Bull either. Uh, like, like, and I've been very, very critical of Kufre, but I'd be happy to concede right now that I think Kufre is a bet, much better option and a much more stable option at that than O'Toole is. If, if he runs out with this lineup again, Tavon Gray and O'Toole at the fullbacks, I mean, like, it, it, is that enough proof that maybe this guy is just? I, I mean, I mean, look, look at look at Melda Amundsen's performance this week. Melda Amundsen made MLS Team of the Week and scored a goal for Columbus this week. And he was froze out of the squad by now by by Cushing. Now now to be fair, there Melda Amundsen was you want to talk about an enigma. Melda Amundsen was probably enigma number one for this club. I mean, there was performances where he would come out and look like he was levels above everybody else in games where he'd come out where he he looks like he belongs in USL. But like for the most part he's an at least a trained and and through and through out and out fullback. Who knows how to do that job? O'Toole is not like. What does O'Toole have that Melda Amundsen doesn't? Like, like just I, I, I don't know. And maybe that maybe the front office is partially to blame for that. But I mean, Cushing was it wasn't like Cushing was playing him 
when he had him. We never saw Amundsen. He was practically in witness protection for, for this entire season until he left. And now he's doing good jobs for Columbus and helping them during their campaign. I just, I, I, I have no faith in Cushing. I just, I just don't like, and I wanted to, and I tried to give him every benefit of the doubt because admittedly, this is not a very deep team. We're very thin once it comes from, because the drop off in quality from the starting 11 to the backups is quite vast. There is no true nine on this team, but even so, I think that you, I think you have a weight more than enough talent on this team like to at least be competing for like fifth or fifth in the East and definitely enough talent to beat that lowly trash Red Bull team that even like that was missing like four, at least four starters. They were, they were down like eight players and most just, of them were first teamers. I, I just, I don't, I don't understand. Like well, that, that's, and yeah. I, 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 I want to know what Cushing saw. For, I mean, Alen, uh, Micha Alenich had, a very good, very good performance, multiple very good performances during the homestand prior to us going on this away, away stretch. So, like, I just I want to know what he saw, like analysis wise or underlying number wise that that led to to Tavon Gray reclaiming the starting spot. Because I think on this podcast, I think in in general in the NYCFC fandom. That everyone was like, yeah, Micha is the starting right back now. Like Tavon is kind of like succumbed and lost his spot, and we just kind of were like, yeah, Micha can cook. Like Micha, Micha's got the juice. I, I, I just feel like it's like he—he's—he's he's a narrative guy. Like it just fits the narrative. Like, oh, this guy's from the Bronx. Let me go play him. Like, like because he's a homegrown, I guess. Like you're saying yeah, like he wants to, yeah, he wants to play right. him because he's a homegrown. Yeah, but then yeah, why? Then why do we go kids. out and why do we go out and purchase a contract to Micha Lennon? Then I don't, I don't understand. I, 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 I'm not. I'm not going to go out of. I'm not going to go as far as to say that it's a narrative thing. I will go as far as to say that it's possible that he, that Cushing in his mind thinks that Tavon makes us a better team defensively and makes us more stable at the back. I'm not saying that he necessarily does. I'm, I'm trying to put myself in Cushing shoes. It's quite a hard task right now because I, I don't know what kind of thinking could lead to like these last two uh, lineups that he, he's chosen. Uh, however, if, I, if I'm, if I'm trying to rationalize it and trying to, you know, what, what, like be an apologist for it. I, I, my, my belief is that he, he feels that Mika Ilanich is probably a more attacking oriented player and he would rather have just one of those on the pitch and probably has given that job. to. <laughs> I can't even say this with a straight face. Cause I just, there's just, I, I don't think there's any logical explanation for it. I don't, Andrew, do you have any ideas? Oh, look at, look at the, uh, the last game that Ilanich started. It was against Toronto. Toronto, yeah. that game was an anomaly for for NYCFC because we were playing against two very dominant wingers. And I remember Matt Doyle saying this on Extra Time Radio, that uh, the number of passes that, um, uh, not Benteke, who's the... Um, Insigne? Insigne. Insigne Sorry. That they received in the offensive zone was the highest in any game. Um, it, it was definitely in this season, but it, it was it was a it was the most dominant performance by two wingers uh, as far as receiving passes in the in the offensive third uh, by any by any team. I think Cushing put some of that on on uh, Kufre and Illinois. Well, Kufre didn't start that game. O'Toole started that game. I'm sorry, but uh, but. Um, hmm. 
I think so. That's what started. So then you look at the next game, and Tavon Gray starts uh, against Charlotte. I didn't think Tavon Gray had a great game, but uh, he came he, he came off that game for uh, for injury, right? Yeah, he yeah. Came off injured. And uh, Elenich came in to, to substitute. So I, I I think it was just a situation where I think Kufre got it wrong. I mean, I can't. I, I I'll say it as simple as that. I think. Uh, I think Tavon Gray, the center back, did a good job playing right back uh, for Anton Tenerhome when Tenerhome was hurt. He won a championship. And and Mike Allen, I'm going to give credit to Mike Allen because he said this uh, on the show this week that we recorded. Tavon Gray, as a right back, looks great when you've got Chicago Martins and Alexander Callens uh, playing center backs and you've got uh, you know James Sands uh, in front of you. And you've got um, Maxi Morales in front of you. It's easy to make Tavon Gray look like a great, a great right back when you've got a team of of superstars around him. When Tavon Gray is supposed to be the dominant player from the right back position, he doesn't have that that skill set, and he's not that good. So that's where Ilanich rises above, in my in my in my opinion, and that's why I think Ilanich should be the guy who starts there week in and week out. Yeah, I agree. Joe, do you agree? Yeah, well, I mean, so on top of that, you you look at um, my biggest problem is against Charlotte and and against here against Orlando City. Um, Cushing, you had alluded to saying that that, that maybe uh, Cushing was was uh, well, he came out and said that he was looking to kind of um, possibly play more defensively. That's why they're like bringing on Tavon to kind of shore up the defense because maybe Lennox not at that level yet where where he's his defense is. Is at the level that that's needed for a, for a starter in MLS, and then same thing with uh, I mean actually well, no, Kufre is probably a better defender than than O'Toole is. But you look at the Charlotte game, and you look at um, and you look at this game, and those are two games that we that we came out with a I guess a more defensive lineup, and we got punched in the mouth like super early in the game and had a chase. And when when you have when you have defensive players on the field at your fullback positions. That's not we're not we're not in a position to chase the game. We we that's a game where you want to go out and get the first goal, and then just stifle their attack the rest of the game and get out of there with a win. But if we're getting punched in the mouth in under ten minutes and now having to chase down a goal, that's where we need Elenich to kind of provide that attack going forward to make those overlapping runs and make Gabi a more dangerous asset in the attack. Um, uh, so I mean. I can't. I can't get behind uh, Cushing's. If, if that's Cushing's methodology, it was to, it was to kind of play a little bit more uh, to short the defense a little bit more and, and have Tavon be the starting right back because he wants to play and hold down the defense. You don't. That's you don't. That's not. That's not the right move. Elenik has shown that he when, when he's on his game, he can do some special stuff. He um and he and he. I think he also helps open up a world of opportunity for Gabriel Pereira to get on the ball with more space and also with not as much pressure because. There is that inherent threat that Mitya could make an overlapping run, and um, and 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 Pereira could play him in down down to the down to the touchline to swing a ball in with his right foot. Whereas uh, Tavon has not shown that he has the propensity or the ability to make those super forward runs and get forward and, and even make a run beyond Gabriel Pereira to swing it across. Because I mean, I know personally, I watched a few of Tavon's crosses yesterday, and they were not pretty. He's crossing is just not his thing. No, it's, he's not an attacking-minded player at all, and that's not his bag. And listen, and like I said before, I like Tavon. I have nothing. I, I I've enjoyed meeting him the few times that I have. 
he's a good kid. He's got, and he's got like, he's got like a real like ambitiousness about him. And I do think that he can become and grow into a very, very good player. I don't think it's at the right back position. And I don't think it's in the, and I especially don't think it's at the right back position within this kind of system where you're relying on your fullbacks to give you attacking width in the final third and give your attackers uh, either service or, you know, some nice one twos so that they can, Take the you know take the reins and get the job done from there you know like a i.e. Gabby Pereira so you know like yeah and and Davi said it uh, about the red about Tavon in the Red Bull game Tavon how many times did he have an opportunity to take a throw in and he went he went negative look at last night's game there were times where NYCFC had opportunities for throw ins in the uh, in the you know offensive zone of uh, of Orlando and Pereira was looking for Gray to be like take the throw in I can be an option and Tavon was like no I don't want to take the throw in <laughs> it, 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 so that goes back to my question about you know not question my my opinion that Shing is putting out a lineup that minimizes risk the players are playing a, me, um, a mental game of you have to play a game that minimizes risk first and you're not going to win too many games especially on the road if you're if your mindset is, hey, how do I play the smart the smart decision first and minimize risk? That that's that's what I feel like uh, Cushing's been doing since he he became the full time uh, since getting the interim and then becoming the full time this season. I just feel like when when we're on the road, he play he tells the players don't lose, just get a draw, play for the draw, and it'll be okay. Um, I it's I know it's a d- different sport, but I'm gonna br- I'm gonna bring it. I feel like um. With the pa- the past few years with the with the New York Giants, I feel like sometimes when when they play away, when they play away from home, under uh, uh, from I believe seventeen to twenty one from those four seasons, um, it might be Pat Shermer, uh, Joe Judge, uh, as their head coach, they they just play um, on the road. They just play like they they get a lead and they they kind of just like stop playing. They just kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit and they. They just play play not to lose, and I mean, if you're a Giants fan like like myself and Joe, like you, like you, you, like you've had painful road losses throughout the throughout the years, like especially especially with like the fucking field goals from like fifty plus, with like when the when the zeros hit the clock and they they fucking knock it through the the uprights and you and you lose by two points away from home. It's really frustrating to lose in that sort of way, and I feel like Cushing kind of sets us up to. Uh, play defensive to minimize the mistakes, minimize uh, risk going forward, uh, especially on the road because at home we're fucking dominant. Like n- nobody's beating us at home. Like we're we're damn near unstoppable at home. I think everybody can agree to that. Like we're damn near on whether it be Yankee Stadium or City Field, we're damn near unstoppable. But but when it comes onto the road, like we we just we just kind of like fold. We just kind of just just let them take over. We're kind of scared to like go forward and we just play it for the draw. I feel like that's. That's that's the way under Cushing. If 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 it's if it's not a nil nil or you don't score first, you're gonna lose the game. That that's the way I feel how it's how it's been under Cushing. And I see parallels to from from this from this run. We've lost four games in a row, five winless now, because we didn't lose last night by some miracle. And 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 last August, it, it, the the parallels are there. The the parallels are there, and that's why I am firmly Cushing out because I do not want to see that again. It wasn't until we came back home in Campionas Cup where I keep saying it, 
if if we were to play that game in Mexico on a neutral site against uh, Atlas, who were in the same run of form as us at the time, one win in ten, we would have lost that game. No, it, it could have been Las Vegas, it could have been Red Bull Arena, it could have been down in Mexico for all I care. We would have lost the game, straight up. But because it was at Yankee Stadium, we felt comfortable enough to go out there, punch them in the mouth four minutes in, and then get another goal early in the second half, and then just dominate them and kind of uh, accept a little bit of pressure, and then we win the game. And then rinse and repeat against the Red Bulls. We score 52 seconds into that game, get a second in the, in the first half, and kind of let your foot off the gas a little bit, but still kind of dominate the team and kind of dictate the, the, the play. And we came out on top 2-0 in both games. I mean, if 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 we do this again, it's it's clearly a a problem of Cushing's like setup on the road. Because at home, I, I have no doubts that we'll come back at home. We'll, we'll we'll get a few W's. Oh, you're you're a coach. Um, let's talk about one of the fundamental principles of coaching. And again, this is going back to the Eastern Conference Final from last year. Um, making a substitution with the opposing team having a set piece in your your defensive third. Uh, is it's it's one of those things. Look, I only coached. I think the the, the highest level I coached was was fifteen year olds. Uh, but that was something that was hammered into to me from every coach above me, saying these are the times when you make a sub when you and unless you're trying to stop momentum and you think you've got to you know you've got you need to make a sub because a player's hurt. If you if you've got your best team on the field. And the other team has an, has a, a, a set piece. You're defending third. You let your players on the field get through that set piece. Let them get the clearance because you don't want to cause any confusion. Yeah, absolutely. Because then if you're making subs, now there's confusion about who's marking who. I mean, don't even get me started on zonal marking. I think it's the biggest horseshit fucking tactic ever. I just man up, and if you, and then you know who – if someone loses their man, you know whose fault it is. But the only the only caveat I would say to that is that if you're defending defending a set piece and you make a sub, the sub better be for like uh, to put someone who's uh, who has uh, high defensive work rate, a high defensive prowess. And usually it's like uh, to uh, tactically it would be like to sub someone on for someone who's much taller, who is more aerial to to win win the ball and potentially clear it out. And I agree, but Keaton Parks was the guy who came on in that situation, and Alexander Callens was the player who got beat on the on the play because Alexander Callens was thinking, "All right, we've got another half a second to get set." And Carranza made the run, and and I think that's where that's where I hoped Cushing was going to learn. That's where I think where I hoped Cushing was going to be a little bit more. Uh, decisive about what he was going to do and how he was going to play. I think Cushing is using this regular season as here's, here's a, here's a regular season where I get to figure out some things. I get to learn this team. I get to learn how to, how to be a coach in MLS. He knows that with, with MLS, as long as he makes it to the postseason, yeah, the regular season doesn't matter. He's just got to be able to get to, maybe he can host a home game. Um, If not, then we just do it on the road but I think that's my biggest concern is that uh, that Cushing got burned last year. Davi just did a great, you know, great history of, of the, the, the times he got lucky. Then ultimately we, we, yeah, we made it to the Eastern conference final, but we, we shot ourselves in the foot. We had that game. We were up one, nothing. 
we we shot her he shot ourselves in in the foot yeah you know maybe Chanel being injured was a factor into that play but uh yes, but course. ultimately he's he's now using this i think he's using this beginning part of the season as as a learning curve but you've talked about it it's the winning mentality mentality and winning you know breeds winning and success breeds success and Fortunately, he's he's taken a, a golden opportunity with some of these road games against weaker opponents, rivalry games against a, a a team that was down in the in the in the the worst depths of where they've been as a as a organization. It's it, it's their worst start in like fourteen years. He's given them an opportunity to uh, to climb out. And that's uh, it's just not it's it's not positive. Yeah, and I, I almost oh. I almost feel like uh, Nick is paying homage to his predecessor um, and and kind of picking up on. Uh, I, I was definitely one of the criticisms I had of Ronnie Diala was that um, I, I feel that he didn't uh, utilize substitutions as well as he could have. Um, and Nick is also going through the same so thing. Sitting on Juan Pablo Torres in the 81st minute. <laughs> yeah, so um, Nick Cushing is definitely uh, going through the same thing. Where I mean, against Red Bull. Against Red Bull, um, he makes one sub in the 89th minute, and it's Andres Jason. When you have the 1.1 million dollar man at the end of the bench, even though he got injured in this match, Matias Pellegrini, um, and you also have someone like Michel Lenik, who it's come out through his uh, all the media that he's been doing since he's been with the club. It's come out that he was classically trained as a winger and then was transitioned to fullback. So if you're, I mean, in in a game where you're down one nil, I mean. Uh, I mean, the, the the expression is throw throw shit at the wall and hope something sticks. Why not sub on Mitch uh, Lenick and and Matias Pellegrini and hope that someone finds a moment of brilliance to draw level with your with your most hated rival in a heated heated match, um, in on in in on in, in un, unfriendly territory. Um, why is Andres Jason the only player you bring on as a sub in that match? And this isn't the first time he's done that. Even this season, he just does not utilize substitutions to the utmost of their abilities um through covid we now have five substitutions in a match to use to be used during three windows and if if i go back and look i mean there's definitely been a a majority of the games where nick doesn't utilize all five and i know that the 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 comeback to that is going to be well we don't have the quality or depth to, to even bring then why the hell are you paying these professional soccer players to sit on your bench why do we even bring eight players if they're not good enough why are they even there um, I mean, it's just like the players who are on the bench should be the players that have the quality to play 5, 10, 15 minutes in an MLS soccer match. Um, like like why why, why bother bringing Nico Benalcazar to like the US Open Cup match if you don't think that he can do, go out there and do a job? Then leave him the fuck home and let him play for NYCFC too. Like... I don't. I don't understand um, why this club is employing coaches who don't understand the importance of substitutions in an in in a, in a soccer match. Um, I mean, I, I know I, I'm going to bring up just because uh, Mike has a, a really nifty little um, scarf behind his over his right shoulder. Um, um, Wrexham in the National League, there's they're still to this day operating on the three substitution policy. And their and their benches are even lighter than than I think they only carry like five or six players on a bench, and they're still didn't using they their substitutions. What? Didn't they get promoted this year as well? They did get promoted. Yes, they got promoted. 
But we're over here in the MLS with five fucking substitutions, and we're using one on Andres Jason, who's not even a real soccer player. He's just out there to get fouled. It's infuriating. It drives me nuts. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. To quote the LAFC owner, fucking Will Ferrell. From, 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 I've seen Zoolander. Yeah. Zoolander. Zoolander literally came out before Javi was born. <laughs> oh, uh, guys, it's been great. I, I do have to start uh, wrapping this up, but uh, I, I, I don't want to leave without talking about um, Pereira's right foot. Because uh, he had a golden opportunity last night to put a ball, curve it in front of Talish Magno, and instead of hitting it with his right foot, he tried to hit it with his left. I don't yes. even know where that, I forget I where that ball that. went. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. I'm of the camp where I'd rather see the player make the right decision, with the right foot, miss it. And Talish Magno deserves credit because he put that ball across to Gabe Siegel with his left. Yes. Gabby Pereira. But Come on, man. I, I agree with you there, but later in the match, Gabby did strike a ball with his right foot, and it forced Pedro Galese to make an uncomfortable save. So we have to give him a little bit of kudos, but I do agree that the, in that play, I remember that play, he chose that he, he relied more on his comfortability than the right foot to use to make the right play. He just he relied on, okay, I'm comfortable. I know I can make this pass with my preferred left foot, and it, it ended up go, going into the garbage. But he did use his right foot. So I want to applaud Talis Magno for finally using his left foot on the left side of the pitch. I know he's a painfully inverted winger, but when you do things in the traditional sense of soccer where use your left foot because you're on the left side of the field and, and you swing it in, it's going to – and then uh, Seagal's in the right – Seagal, whatever the fuck his name is, is in the right position, taps it in. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. I think I think also I think uh, I don't know if I mentioned it on an episode with Joe, but I think also like we've seen Gabi Pereira use his right foot before against the game against Dallas, where he kind of just flashed it across the box and Santi Rodriguez was at the far post and taps it in for an easy goal. Like we we need to see if if he could use his right foot more for moments like that, like he he's got like he's ha he has to use it. I mean Talos Magno like finally uses his left foot for for a cross and gets an assist off it because if he doesn't use his left foot there we we lose the game one zero. Were you talking? I saw you post that or tweet that about Pereira using his right foot, but that shot that forced the Galese save was was a left footed shot. It, well, are you sure? Yeah, because yeah. he cut a, he cut across. Uh, so Gabby made one shot against Galese that was with his right foot. It wasn't very pretty, but it did force Galese into a save. That's the one where he hurt his wrist on. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. I'm sorry. So uh, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't the rocket shot. Okay. I saw the tweet after the fact, so I thought it. We were talking because that's the shot that everyone was 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 responding to. Is like, oh my god, that shot was beautiful. I didn't realize it was. See, we need to see more of that. We need to see more shooting outside the box because I don't like the way how this team, like, they always seem to be like uh, playing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like um, Geo said it. Like, every, like they just want to walk the ball into the goal. They don't want to take like actual shots from outside the box. We need to see more of that from. Not just Gabby Pereira, but from everybody, like as a collective. Let's see. They got they got ten days off. Uh, hopefully they'll they'll rest up. Again, I I it the didn't think the game against Philly was going to be that important of a game because quite honestly, I didn't think we were going to drop all these points on the road, especially against Toronto and and Charlotte. And uh, Philly isn't doing that well either. Oh, but but Philly is is a tough opponent. But Philly is one of the few teams that beat NYCFC at home last year. Yeah. 
I was at yeah. that game. I, th- I think they were the only team to beat NYCFC at home last year. Could be, but, but Christian, you, you've you've predicted NYCFC not to lose a game at all this year. So this is going to no. be the one that's yeah. going to challenge uh, that's going to challenge your theory. Well, then, and I, especially, I think it's the next three. The next three is Philly, Cincy, Revs. They're all. The, I mean, Philly. They're not at the top of the, but they're up there. And, and Philly and Cincy, they're, I mean, they're there. I'm not so much worried about the Revs because we played pretty well against them away. I'd imagine that the home leg of that of that season we, we series will be. Them at home. I, I I just I I don't really. I think the Revs are kind of on a bubble right now. I don't think they're going to be as high as they are now at the end of the season. I mean, they could be, but um, I think they'll eventually find a way to shoot themselves in the foot. They usually do. Uh, but uh, yep. Um, Andrew, thank you for uh, coming on. I appreciated hanging out with you. It was nice to be on this side of the uh, of the podcast for once. And, and that was because I wasn't able to yell at you for tape for talking for three minutes at a clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Mike, can, can you? Uh, uh, I mean, I know this. We've been going at this for an hour and forty eight minutes now, but can you um, blast out your uh, blast out your socials, blast out your your media um, content, and uh, let people know where they can find you? I mean, I I. Are we done? Are we going to give Siegel any praise? Or was that just... I turned Sporting to my girlfriend... Birthday. After, Happy birthday. I turned to my girlfriend after he uh, scored, and I was like, even a blind nut finds a squirrel every once in a while. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the theory I had with that with that goal is, I hope he doesn't think that that means he's the number nine until July. No, I mean, uh, it, it, his goal, it was uh, it was shades of Hebert. It was like... Uh, if a nine hangs out in the eighteen-yard box long enough, I mean, the the ball will find a way to get to but, it. And is it, but don't you think that they're like, like, because I mean, you always complain about tap-ins, you, you uncultured swine. And I, like, 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 don't don't you think there's something of value to a guy just being in the right position oh, yeah, no, for yeah. a well-worked attack sure, to just yeah. tap at home? Like, isn't that like the the product of a good attack? Like, yeah. like, it, like it, it was great. It was like, a great service by Talis, and it was a great finish. I mean, I'm not I'm not discounting that. If if he's not there, we lose that game. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah. Because I mean, it's not like the best teams in the world are relying upon like world class top drawer fucking bangers, you know, to see them over the line. I mean, if you look at fucking Manchester City this season, most of their goals are tap ins. I mean, if 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 Seagull can if Seagull can follow this up and score like eleven more of those, then I'll be good. You know what I mean? Uh, listen, I, <laughs> I I I want to root for Seagull and I want him to do well. Like like, I, and I've been I I, I want every. How are you pushing out and wanting to root for Seagull? Me? I, 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 I mean, I don't want pushing to fail. I mean, like, here's the thing: I care more if about you, my. If you're pushing out, pushing well, out is going... pushing is is choosing to put players like Gabe Siegel on, you know, in games when he doesn't deserve to be playing. Well, I mean, well, I mean, to be one fair, one of his few good subs. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if I can be completely honest, I'm not as hot on Richie Ledesma as a lot of the other people in the fan base are. Like, I I, I think he's okay. I don't think he's much better than that. Uh, and also, like last night, needed something. So why not? And, and it certainly beats just making one substitution, like during the fucking derby, and, and like making it too late. At least he made that sub at halftime. Saw that something wasn't working. Made an adjustment that he thought could work, and it wound up paying dividends after a lot of failed attempts. But it wound up, you know, like like paying off towards the end of the match. Like I can respect that. I, I'm cushing out simply because I just don't think he's good enough. I I was I, I think the record should also show that I was also Ronnie out, uh, you know, before the Goody Terrence free kick and before he saw us to a cup. Uh, you know, you've, proven you know, to, you've proven to everyone that you're wrong and you're, you know consistently. So, <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, I mean, I mean, mo most of us are, pr are wrong most of the time anyway. I mean, about anything. But I mean, I, I want to be wrong. I care more about the team's performance than I do about being right. I would love nothing more than to see Cushing have this complete resurgence uh, before the summer transfer window uh, and, you know, find a way to get consistent results, win these three games at home against Philly, Cincy and New England, see us through to the summer, tool up. And, and make a push and okay. push us up the table. I'm not rooting against anybody. I just don't think that Cushing is the guy. I, I, and the thing is, Cushing is a bit different than all of our past managers because unlike Dyla and unlike Dome and uh, uh, like I mean, I mean Vieira, I can't really compare that because Vieira didn't have much experience either. But uh, co coaching the top flight, I, no one, no one talks about Jason Price around here. What the fuck are you doing, man? Pushing uh, the top flight before uh, us, though. Uh, yeah, when MLS 1.0, good for him. Uh, but uh, like, um, just like like Cushing doesn't have the body of work that Dyla or Dome had. I mean, Dome had first team management experience and was also serving at the right hand of arguably one of the most decorated managers of all time in Pep Guardiola. You know, like, like and that's a lot of knowledge there. Dyla had one with had one Celtic. with a few teams. With well, I mean, he won with Celtic, but he also had success. In the Norwegian league before Valaranga, the last team that he was at, he had uh, he had a uh, success with Storms Godset. Uh, where that, that, that was the team he saved from relegation and then won the, the league the year after, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it, like Dyla had a track record. Nick Cushing doesn't have a track record, and I'm not sure if he's the right guy yet. So yeah, are you Cushing out, Joe? Not uh, not yes, he is. Not officially. Don't let him lie Not officially. You. I haven't tweeted it. I haven't tweeted it yet. I've been every other. Uh, yeah. I've been every other manager out, but I mean, I'm. I'm well, you definitely. Said, you 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 were doing this. So I no, yeah, because I'm trying to tell us that we 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 tried to wrap up ten minutes ago, and then we ended up getting deep into conversation again. Okay. This is the episode that never. It's a Hudson Christian, you know, run run on a on a on a tangent. The Andrew just busts my balls. I mean, I mean, it beats like just like fucking like being like the the. What is it? The Jerome to, uh, you know, uh, I forgot the fucking reference, the music reference, whatever. I'm giving Because when I'm recording, I have a timer that runs, that shows me the, the minutes. I can see when you started talking and when you stopped talking. I'm like, oh, that is a long stretch of, uh, of rant. <laughs> I mean, it's ADHD. It, it, it's always a Christian rant on this so podcast. I, so I want to drop some uh, semi-breaking news. I mean, I, I read it today. I haven't, I've only read one report, so there hasn't been multiple reports. But it seems as if Ronnie Dyla is leaving whatever stupid team he went to after us. Andrew Liege. Andrew Liege. And is leaving for Bruga? Bruges. Bruges is leaving oh, for Bruges. Bruges. Yeah. That, that, that's the reports that I'm, came out today. So he's he's I'm on his he's on his snake behavior, a la similar to our former capitan. I mean, he was on his snake. Hey, he's, he was he's getting snake. promoted. He's getting promoted. He, it's not like he he's on, going from a good club to a no, mid shit, no, no. shit house. He was on his he was on his snake shit when he came here. He, yeah, he literally signed a contract extension with uh, with Valaranga two weeks before he uh, joined us. Yeah, so he's uh he's pogo sticking all over the fucking world um with his managerial. At, at least he's getting promoted. He's getting promoted at least. He's getting into a better job. That that that's a team that's per, a perennial Europe contender. So yeah, but, but as as players of the club, when you if you like when your new manager gets hired and you look, you're like, oh, he was uh, in New York City and then left them in like fucking July for this job, and then this job's not working out well for him. So now he's here. Like, 
how much hey, how, how, mu- how much do you buy into a man? I mean, I mean, I don't want to go on a tangent, but how much do you buy into a manager who you know, like for any, if they get a better offer, they're gonna can leave you in the middle of the season. I mean, he well, seems to do well I at most clubs. Yeah, I think that's the key, Joe. If I think if he if he says, hey, but he's won a championship, you 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 kind of hold on to that hope that hey, let me stick around at least one season and see how it works out. He seems to be a fixer. He's a guy that comes in and fixes things and then leaves. He's like a Harvey yeah. Keitel in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> he's the wolf. He's yeah, plumber. he's the wolf. <laughs> All right, so Mike, let's let, let's try round two. Uh, where do you tweet out of, and uh, and uh, what is um what what uh what's the name of your podcast? I don't think we did we bring it up. Maybe we brought it up in the very beginning. Oh, oh no, you yeah, you brought it up in the very beginning. But yeah. you guys have been great. Thanks so much for uh for the opportunity. Uh, really appreciate the you know just being able to vent about NYCFC, being able to do this and not have to worry about editing because that's, uh, that's one of the big challenges with, uh, with what I do is, uh, I'm the one who, who puts it all together after it's after, uh, everyone else closes off the, the, you know, the, uh, the microphones. I'm, I'm the one who has to put it all together and post it. So, uh, thanks for, uh, for having me on. Uh, I am at blue city radio on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, again, we just released episode 412, Damn. uh, <laughs> last, uh, Actually, uh, yesterday on Tuesday, we we did it or yeah, two days ago before we uh, before the Orlando game. But um, it's been a it's been a labor of love. I'm sure you guys are going to figure it out uh, because uh, it it doesn't get easier. It just gets harder the more it goes on. But it's uh it's just something that you um it becomes a passion. I mean, it's been a passion for you guys being being fans doing this and taking it to the next level. Is a is, you guys deserve the praise. You deserve the accolades because um, it, it's very simple for people to just be like, ah, you know what, complain and and criticize and and be loudmouth on uh, on Twitter or be uh, you know be in the Facebook groups and complain. To actually uh, dedicate the time to uh, to put out content is uh, it des- it deserves the praise. So uh, you know, kudos to you guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you, mate. If you're listening, if you're still listening after an hour and 57 minutes, thank you so much for wasting a good part of your day uh, listening to us ramble about this club. But be sure to follow me, ramble, like, ramble. like, follow, subscribe, listen to to Blue City Radio. They're top, top notch, top class. Um, they're, they're the uh, NYCFC podcast OGs, um, and they always they always have delightful insight and uh, and they're definitely they have a good dynamic with those three guys over there. Um, and uh, let's uh, let's bring it home, Davi. Final thoughts? Positive result, I'd say, uh, considering the uh, the run of form. Uh, just hoping this is the moment where everything just kind of makes a U-turn for the better. Uh, for the record, I am not rooting against Cushing actively. Uh, I want him to do well. I really want him to do well, like genuinely. I I I I think he's a great dude, but. Coaching wise, like the past few games, it's not looking good for him. But I, I genuinely wanted to, I, I want him to do well. Like genuinely, <laughs> I don't, I don't. Like, Tommy, do you go back? Think... Do you go back and listen to our episodes? At, at the end of every episode, it's stop, blah blah blah, out, get the fuck the bald head out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> it's because he's, 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 he's like, not. He was like, he went on he's a rant. His job properly, man. He's not doing his job properly. I want him to do his job properly. Like once you do your job properly, I'll fucking give you the praise. I'll give you the praise. Just do your job properly, man. <laughs> And it, it, uh, can, can you just imagine like the fucking can you just imagine like if we go on a good run of form in June and just and get to the summer transfer window and just bolster our squad can you just imagine the fucking monster he can create like come on man that's what I want him to do 
I think that, that's what we all we, we all we all want to win. We want to we win. Want him. We, we all want to win. We want to do well. We uh, we're we've been spoiled rotten for for eight seasons with making the playoffs every year. Um, even though the 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 little bastards across the river like to throw in, in everyone's face that oh we made the playoffs for blah, 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 so many years in a row congratulations well, they're what, not what, making the playoffs what do you do when you, what do you do when you get there <laughs> they're not making the playoffs it's just they can go fuck themselves Christian final thoughts uh, I, I I'm happy for a point I guess um, uh, I'm confident our next three games are all home correct. Correct. Yeah, so Tough opponents, but all home. Yeah, so I, I think I think we're gonna get a, like at least seven points in these next three games because I our home form is obviously better. But I mean, I hope this is the start of a turnaround. I really do. Like I, 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 I just said it before. I care more about this team's performance than I care about being right. My name isn't Joe. I care about the the shit happening. For you know, just you know. I, I care about shit working, you know, I, I'll complain in the moment, but I want things to work. So let's, let's see if things work. So collectively, all of us, if, if, uh, if NYCFC gets seven out of nine or even nine out of nine in the next three games, do, do we, do we forget about the poor road form in the four loss? No. In the five game no. on winless streak? No. No. Nope. Okay. Nope. Good. Good. No. Nope. Yeah, as long as we're in unison there. I'll, 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 I'll look back. At it, that stretch at the end of the season, it, and be like, "Damn, if only some some things went, if, went right for us." That in if we win games, all like, three of these games seven nil, then I'll change my tune. Uh, but but in, unless like it's absolute like just vibes and blowouts, uh, no, there is. I, all right, I, and then this is a two part question: If we say say we get like three points or two points out of out of the next three games, are we like are we fu- are we fully like off the cliff, dumb and Louising it? Like Cushing out, got to go out of my club, like the, like that. Yeah, yeah. get him yes. out. Get I mean, him out of here. I'm like that I now. Think, yeah. I think the result against Philly could get again. Cushing talked about the road, about the home form. He talked. He's he's brought up the the FC Dallas game about being a you know. I think if he if he loses against Philly at home, I think the uh, I don't know. I I think I think that becomes a very hot seat. You know, again, do I think he's going to get fired after Philly? No. Let me ask you one last question, Andrew. Do you think it's hot now? No. Because, because again, it's the Open Cup is an anomaly game. So it, it, even though it's yes, it's it's four losses in a row or five losses. I'm sorry. uh, Yeah, four losses in a row. uh, The Open Cup is an anomaly game. uh, So you can't because. he could have said, "Well, I didn't know what lineup since he was going to play. It was an on the road. It was a Wednesday game. He has he has excuses to 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 say that that was a that was something he he couldn't control. The 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 three Saturday losses in a row, and then the the the, the draw against um, Orlando. Uh, that he." Three losses is not the end of the world, especially all on the road. It's just scheduling that says that, you know, it probably should have been two on the road and one at home. And then if it would have been two losses and then went in two, you know, but, so, but I, I think if he, if, if it's not a good result and when I say good result, it's got to be a victory against Philly. I think people start to start to question, Hey, you had 10 days to get the team, right? You had 10 days to figure stuff out. And you talked about how, uh, the challenges were because you were playing on the road here at home. Uh, you've got that home field advantage. How come you couldn't get it done? Even against Philly that beat us last year in Yankee Stadium. 
well to kind of to kind of kind of like go on that point like you know the scheduling like problem like you know four four in a row like, we're in a pretty shitty situation like you know with the we're at the mercy of the yankees and the mets but that kind of that kind of builds up towards the end of the season you know where it's, uh you know you kind of mess up you kind of have a little slip through through the year but like if you really need momentum like towards the end of the year we're gonna have like six or seven home matches to, to like really end the year um two at so, two at red bull arena so yeah but i mean hey i mean we, we made it we made it work for one game last year you know when, when we went on that rampage where we really thought we were gonna win the cup again what, we made it work what, last what, year, what so, about our home game versus charlotte last year what about that okay but that wasn't shit storm <laughs> That was in the shitstorm. That was August. We don't play well in Red Bull. Yeah. We don't play in Red Bull Arena, whether we're the home team or the away team. We just don't play well there. I'm just trying to get this show to go two, two, two hours and thirty minutes. We're over two hours now. I think this is officially the longest ever episode of Beyond the Smokestacks. If I am correct, I believe this is now the longest. We just want to. We just keep wanting to sit here and talk about NYCFC. I mean, I, I mean, it's just. I mean, a lot of material. I don't believe it or not. I don't even take two hours enough to talk about this team because there's so much. It, it, it's. Imagine if we were winning, though. Soccer. Imagine if we were winning and just gushing with pride and 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 uh, about our club and and the amount of goals that we were scoring and how we have three guys at the top of the long. golden boot race. But it's the complete It'd opposite. Be long. <laughs> It'd be four hours long. Um, and, no, no, maybe, maybe. But uh, the Champions League. But uh, so I mean, let's put a bow on this. Um, we we have, I think, as as fans, we have a well deserved break in play uh, for that. We get a weekend off of not having to be. Um, anxiety riddled um, about whether our club is going to finally win a game again. Um, so uh, for our mental health. So everyone, everyone enjoy enjoy your weekend of of doing whatever you like to do other than watching um, NYCFC. Um, I'm a masochist, so I'm gonna be I'm I'm gonna be watching MLS. Um, so so uh, but yeah, everyone enjoy your weekend. Um, enjoy this two hour episode of, of Beyond the Smokestacks. It is officially our thirty second episode. Um, uh, we are, uh, we are now, uh, I don't know how many episodes behind blue city. They're, they're, they're up, they're past four bills. That's a lot. That's a lot of episodes. Right. Um, and also shout out to, uh, shout out to city boys. They just, they just hit their hundredth hundredth episode or is that post 90? Was it post 90? Post, 90. post, post 90, 90 hit a hundred. Congratulations to post 90. Um, uh, all the, all of the NYCFC podcasts put out fantastic content with their own little individual spin and niche. Um, it's all really good. Make sure everyone, make sure you're listening to all of them. Um, except maybe uh, the one uh, the one of them that, I, that I'm not going to talk about, but uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. And so everybody enjoy your weekend. We'll be back next Wednesday with a preview episode, previewing ba, 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 ba. Philly. previewing Philly at home. Philly, 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 Philly at home. Philly. Our Philly. biggest we'll rival. We we'll see. You, we'll see you guys next Saturday. Uh, did you just say our most hated rival? Are you trying to get me fired up before we get off the air? <laughs> yeah, ain't the Red Bulls. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you guys later. And as always, New York is blue.